Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a More Than Just Podcast production. Welcome to Starcast, Season 4, Episode 24. My name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again over there, there, no, that, there, there by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello, kids. And down there, we have Xavier Kuline, also in Mississauga, Ontario. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Filling Without in problem. for a uh, absent Jaime Lopez Jr. Yeah. Who? Jaime? Who Who's the guy? Who the that? guy you've done Who like 500 podcasts with? No, that? that guy? Who that? Who that? Oh, okay, so um, so last week we started off with, uh, with we'll do our, our, our fact check. So last week we talked about uh, Brass Against, and the singer's name is Sophia Arista. And I beg you, I implore you, please do not Google her name. <laughs> because she did she did something really nasty on stage a couple of weeks ago <laughs> uh, involving a, a willing fan, admittedly. He he did volunteer for it. He did volunteer for it, yes. But the the band has since apologized. And I and it, and talk about bad timing, <laughs> because yeah, I mean, like the the one they're they're in a, a major motion picture. They're like the last thing you hear. Everybody's gonna like googling them and finding out who they are. And yes, so unfortunately, Sophia really apologizes for what she did. But yeah, she was in the moment. That's the argument. Sure. Yeah, you could say that. All right, I'm and, so lost. I have no idea what's going on here. Like, I just <clears throat> no, you, you no, dude. We're not going to go there. Let's just no. say if I find it on your browser history, we're going to have to have a talk. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You let him watch Big Mouth. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but I mean, I've been fair. watching. I've been watching a little bit of Big Mouth while I'm working, like doing some coding and stuff like that. So I have it on in the background. That and and uh, like when I don't want to read subtitles, like again, complaint about the Russians and the Japanese in in. Um, r- r- daredevil is that you have to stop and read the credits and the you spanish do. right whereas big mouth i can just leave it on and i don't know what it is with that one kid but and maybe it's just a season one thing but he keeps throwing up every time something inappropriate happens <laughs> i don't know which yeah. one he is but it's pretty funny and he's just, he's just it's like it's like it's not just one time it's like repeated so it's pretty funny especially when especially when the young girl character has her moment where she becomes a woman yes that's a pretty funny one um yeah Anyway, so and speaking of speaking of sort of mental blocks, uh, as you all know, I like to say that Maria Moldar was the doctor in season two of <laughs> uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. When in fact it wasn't Mar- Maria Moldar is, is burned into my consciousness, burned into my brain, um, probably because of the song "Midnight at the Oasis." And I've got a link here in the show notes for those of you who don't know that song. And then I don't know, did she do the brand new roller skate song? I can't remember that one. But uh, oh, no, maybe that was Rupert, I think maybe or something like that. But yeah. No, there was a oh, that's more follow up for next week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Maria Moldar, um, yeah, Minute the Oasis, which is why that you know, it's kind of like you know, how there's like I don't know, a Billie Eilish, right? Like, not quite Billie Eilish, but you know what I mean? Like, you get these names and that just everybody's talking about. And you I think the phrase you're looking for is Kiki D. No, Kiki D was the Elton John song, no, yeah, but the roller skate song, it's a different song, anyway. Um, yeah. 
the code of honor was the third episode of, tar- of the the next generation that's what i thought it was but i watched went back and watched center seat and i and, uh, watched uh, all of the episodes that are available so far it's an amazing really good show mm-hmm. if you're into star trek lore as you know if you listen to this podcast why are you not watching center seat come on uh all those sort of rumors you may have heard about star trek over the years they dispel them and enlighten them and whatever but then for some reason i thought when when brent spiner talked about the dreaded code of honor he was talking about the cow of something or other which is where my brain what, what i heard the first time he actually just says the, the dreaded code of honor anyway that's the episode where uh yeah they went really down a rad, bad path but uh, yeah it was not a great episode yes and uh Xavier was partially right uh, the last episode of picard was called et in arcadia ego there you go yeah. oh, always right Always. Always right. That's why you're the number one fan. (laughs) Uh, Well, no doubt he's my son. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to jump over to the headlines. Oh, it's me first. (laughs) What? You are the headline masses. He's very impressive. Sleeping with dogs. I don't get it. Yeah. Spider-Man smashes the box office records last week uh, at, at the end of the weekend with $1 billion. Uh, that's $1 billion globally. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a link here. Um, and yeah, surprisingly, you know, with the Matrix Resurrections being coming up that same week, that Spider-Man still maintained the number one box office thing. Sing, Sing 2 came in second. Sing 2 beat Matrix Resurrections. What? The Matrix kids though right i know like that's the difference and yeah check out the shirt on xavier down there right, that's like the if you listen to the audio version of this uh, podcast as opposed to the video version you won't get to see my awesome uh spotcast matrix shirt uh <laughs> you, you can't buy them anywhere well like, I, I might, it's, put, I might put it on i might put it on the uh if the, you make one i would totally buy it just saying <laughs> i would totally buy one <laughs> and we get sued um <laughs> and i mean the Kingsman uh, came in, which is a prequel to the King's whatever. Yeah, it was like, the Kingsman and the Kingsman Golden Circle. Now it's the King's apostrophe man. man. King's man, yes, the, yes. the singular, right? And uh, and then uh, an American underdog, which I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Those were the top five movies, but yeah, yay, Spider Man. Yeah, and a billion just, bucks is good. It's the first uh, the first movie during the pandemic to crack the billion buck mark. Yeah. If anything. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So that's, a. I mean, considering the times, you know, I really do wonder if this had been in a much safer time, how much more that could have made and where that would close out as far as the biggest movies of all time, because it would have to be up there. Yeah. So how did, uh, how did, um, like, how did Marvel, for instance, Endgame, like, what did they, did they do the billion, like multiple billions or? Yeah, they, I think they broke two billion. Okay. So one billion is not too shabby, even by normal times. Right. Well, I mean, comparing it to things like Eternals and Shang Chi, I think they, you know, I think they were happy. I think they came in at like three, three hundred fifty million, and those were considered to be like pretty, pretty successful. So, just to put those into perspectives, the difference between a known IP like Spider Man and an unknown IP like Eternals and Shang Chi—that's the difference. Cool. Right. And we were going to talk about Spockies this week, but we're going to hold off one more week. So you still have time to go and vote if you haven't voted already. Uh, we're waiting for Jaime Lopez Jr. to come back and. You know, make make his statements. His his uh, what do you call it? Uh, coming off the top ropes <laughs> with the uh, with the full body slam during That's the right. Spockies. Uh, so I I gathered up uh, Eli Glasner Glasner uh, from CBC, who was once a young young kid um, reviewer. He's now a, now a quite we're, a weren't we all Tim? Weren't we all? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's I mean, a seasoned professional now, but he's done his top ten, and this is in the reversed order for the year. 
right? So this is not necessarily sci-fi or whatever, but No Ordinary Man was his number 10. Um, West Side Story 2021 version, Steven Spielberg version came in as number nine. Power of the Dog, which is uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And that's yeah, I think, on, on Netflix. Netflix, right? Yeah, my wife just watched that the other night. Yeah, so I have to watch that. And Pig is supposedly, uh, that, is that the one with... Um, Everybody's favorite actor, Nicolas Cage. Nick Cage, yeah. And apparently that is quite a good movie too. Well, it's in the top 10, right? Yep. Passing. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home came in at number five. Yep. So that's that's kind of an interesting one. Uh, tick, Tick, Boom, no idea what that is. Nightmare Alley, that's uh, the new Guillermo del Toro. Tick, Tick, movie. Boom is also on Netflix. It's, um, it's Andrew Garfield's in that as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. And then Beans. Uh, which looks really interesting. Forget mm-hmm. what that is, but it's sort of a, a residential school kind of deal. And then, of course, Dune came in at number one, the 2021 version. Vinny, Vinny, Danny Villeneuve's, uh, I was going to say Vili Delaneuve, Danny Villeneuve's <laughs> uh, version of Dune, which is interesting. So it's it, maybe it's sort of a teaser for the Sparky results. So I'm not going to yeah, say anything might, more about that. We might that. be seeing some of these titles pop up again. Yes, three Bob. Um, and one more thing. Uh, Pretty famous Canadian director Jean-Marc Vallée um, passed away at the age of 58 recently, and he's done a few. I'm just trying to draw a blank here on some of the movies. He's a, he was a huge influence on Denis Villeneuve and a number of uh, actors. Um, he got his IMDb IMDb page, Andy. Yeah, he. Uh, I know he did uh, Big Little Lies, the very popular uh, television series that's on uh, HBO. That that was something that uh, people were quite would know him from for sure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, um, and I know he did movies as well, but... Uh, oh, Dallas Buyers Club, that was the other one. Right, that yeah, that's the... Very well known that McConaughey won the Academy Award mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Interesting, I saw a thing on IMDb about him, because um, apparently he was doing rom-coms left, right, center, and uh, he went back and checked the uh, checklist that he'd made as a young man, and one of the things that he wanted to do was win the uh, Academy Award as Best Actor. That was a goal for him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he reevaluated uh, what he was doing and uh, started turning down, you know, movies that were they were going to pay him millions and millions and millions of dollars, and he turned them down because he wanted to do more more uh, respectable pieces. So that's how he ended up with the Dallas Buyers Club. And and uh, was the Magic Mike? I think was the other one that he was quite notable in. Anyway, not that there's yeah, anything wrong with that. They just put um, they just put up his cause of death because it was a bit of a mystery when they announced that they had found his body. They didn't announce how he died, but they announced, uh, I guess, this week that he died of a heart attack. So very mm. sad. He was sort of secluded by himself. He had a heart attack and uh, and died. That's really sad. Yeah, that's not you know it's not an unusual death for somebody of, of that age, really. I mean, it's amazing when you hear that people in their, I'm like he's younger than me passing mm. away like that's that's always a shocker but yeah yeah but the, i think generally speaking you know most of the young people i've known who've died between like 35 and 60 or have been generally heart attacks otherwise it's the big c you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so and of course that new thing that we're dealing with the other c um yeah. and then over to you jonathan for one more yeah, the uh, the speculation, the 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 fuel to the fire in this case, literal, that has uh, been going around that there's going to be a Ghost Rider revival with Marvel, and part of that revival has centered around who would be playing the character. Now we got a Ghost Rider in Agents of Shield, but that was uh, that was a different 
iteration of the character. Now they're looking at the classic Johnny Blaze, 1970s sort of, you know, badass on a motorcycle kind of deal. And of course, when you think badass on a motorcycle, the first person you think of is Norman Reedus from Walking Dead. And so there is... A lot of speculation this week. He's been uh, playing coy on social media. He's been liking things that have linked him to the role. <laughs> so there's a lot of speculation that he's going to get the job as uh, Ghost Rider. And that's I don't not the same with the Nicolas Cage one, right? Was that Ghost it Rider? is. It's the same Ghost same characters one. as those versions of it, too. So we'll, we'll see which version. There's been a few different characters over the years that have been the Ghost Rider. It'll be interesting to see which version they anticipate doing and how they anticipate doing. This will be the first one inside the MCU proper, of course, right? because the other ones were sort of pre, pre-MCU. pre But cool. uh, I, I, I know that I'm, I'm running the risk of, of running afoul of the Walking Dead fans, but uh, I don't think he's that good. I think he's okay. <laughs> you mean, you think he's been playing the same role for the last eight years? And I think he's... I think he's a perfectly fine actor. I think the role that he's been playing is fine, but I, I'd like to see something else from him to determine whether or not he's good at being Daryl or whether he's a good actor. Yeah. Personally speaking, when I think of like awesome badass guys riding motorcycles, I think of Keanu Reeves, Canadian. Uh, yeah, I know you were big on Keanu like, Reeves, right? I mean, again, like I, you know, motorcycles action i mean he's got like i could see it i don't know maybe yeah. a friend of the show george he cool on fire. drives a motorcycle you know uh, <laughs> yeah like that would be cool i say it's just, it has to be canadian it's just like that's as a canadian we mandate it is now canadian this is now an all canadian show too that's the other thing that's true now that uh high Miller america america yeah. no no america all no canada america. all canada all vaccinated <laughs> all safe, di- safely distanced. In fact, those guys aren't even in the same room on the other show. Socialized yeah. sci-fi, all the good yeah. things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty, well, we're we're at that part of the show where we're going to talk about something Spark Star Trek related. Although I did already talk about Star Trek, but we're going to talk a little bit more in depth this time. We're still talking about Discovery, Star Trek Discovery season four, episode seven, and I believe it's called "But to Connect," Jonathan. But to connect. Well, you have to say the ellipses, apparently. But to How do you connect. Say, but, uh, was, was you, have to, you have to pause. <laughs> but to connect. But to connect. And so, yeah, off we go. So this episode it really centered around two sort of debates. There's one debate that's happening on the at the Federation headquarters where they are trying to decide what they're going to do about the uh, the big space rift that is killing everybody. And they're also going to decide about, uh, on Discovery, a smaller group is trying to decide what to do about Zora, the now seemingly sentient main computer aboard the ship. So the episode starts with the the discussion about, you know, okay, we're trying to figure out where species 10C is on the edge of the galaxy that has been has been launching these massive attacks that have destroyed worlds, including Quajon. And in the first scene, Zora, the sentient computer in, that we were speaking about, says, yes, I've I figured it out. I know what we're doing. You know, like I've got the spot. And they say, okay, cool, tell us where it is. And she says, no. And the popcorn door is hell. Yeah, exactly. And so she's apparently evolved to the point now where she sort of says, uh, I don't I don't want to tell you guys because if I tell you guys, you'll go. And if you go, you could get hurt. So I don't want you guys to go. So I'm not going to oh, tell right. you. And so uh, this leads into the quandary of, well, you know, how do you how do you convince the ship to follow orders? And 
so one thread follows that through the whole episode. So they bring in Kovic, Dr. Kovic, uh, of course, speaking of Canadian content, uh, they bring in uh, Kovic. Kovic comes in as David Cronenberg, of course, comes in and he leads a group which is Saru and uh, Stamets and Adira and Gray. And they're all trying to figure out. And Colbert. Oh, yes, and Colby, right. Um, And they're all trying to sit there and try to figure out how do they figure out how to get, uh, how do they figure out how to get Zor to stay with the program to give them the information that they need so they can actually act on what they need to do. Meanwhile, there's this other conversation going on, which is led by the Federation president, Riddick, Rillick, Rillick, who is... Uh, see, now you're going to keep me on track. Oh, yeah. uh, so she is going to be there leading this group where they've got representatives from 60 different worlds all voting on what to do about Species 10C and trying to stop this crisis. We've got them trying to figure out on the ship. They introduce us to, on the Federation, at the Federation, of course, they introduce us to some new players in the game. So Earth is not in the Federation, we find out, which I guess we knew from that episode last season. Is, is Earth even in Earth? There was a rep- representative from Earth? Yeah, the one who is standing to the to the right of uh, Burnham, the one in the blue uniform, she was representing Earth and Titan because we established in that episode last year that Earth and Titan are not, um, they were not on the same page. So she is there representing them, but she's not necessarily a member of the Federation. She's re- representing their planet. So they're having this conversation. How, what are we going to do about this? And uh, Tarka is there. Tarka is basically their needling book. The two of them are sort of conspiring a little bit after they had their, their tete-a-tete and the, uh, the not 10 forward bar a few episodes back. So they're trying to figure out, okay, so what do we do about this, this species? And Tarka's solution is, okay, let's, uh, I've got the, you know, I did that experiment aboard Discovery. It allowed me to figure this out. I've got plans for a bomb. And basically I'll jump in there. He jumps in and says, like, hey, everybody, I've got this great bomb. The bomb will stop this thing from happening. And then, of course, Burnham starts pulling the threads on it going, okay, so the only way your bomb's going to work is if it uses an isolytic reaction and the isolytic uh, weaponry has been banned for 750 years. And there's a reason for that because it just does massive damage to subspace. It could render warp travel through that region completely um, invalid. And so she's trying to sort of say, you know, like, Let's think carefully about this. And of course, she being more logical and more Starfleet is saying, okay, instead of doing that, why don't we take the diplomatic approach? We'll treat it as a first contact. Once we get the coordinates, let's figure out, you know, all the things we can put in place. We'll try and do a a sensitive first contact. If that doesn't work, we've always got other options. So they go back and forth about that. And meanwhile, on Discovery, they're talking about, you know, what what, what could they do about um, Zora? They sort of say, you know, hey, how do we know that you're not going to, you know, Stamets is playing devil's advocate through this whole thing, saying like, hey, what are we going to do if we can't trust you to share information, to cooperate? How do we do this? And Zora says, fine, I'll give you a kill switch. So Zora creates a kill switch that basically says, if I do something you don't like and I get to that point, you just hit the switch and I'm and I'm deleted from the computer and i'm toasted and of course that raises the ethical quandary of well if she's a living thing is it ethical it's a data question basically right it's pretty much right so 
we go through this and um and you know she starts talking about her core function and Kovic is taking a very analytical approach to this whole thing, saying, well, what is your core function? And she says, well, my core function is to protect the crew. And he says, well, who gave you, who gave you that core function? And she says, I gave it to myself. So they're, they're sort of building towards that same idea, exactly what you talk about, Tim. It's, it's basically with the same conversation they have with Data. You know, is Data a thing or is Data a person, right? It's, it is, is Zora a thing or is Zora a living thing? And... So then we go back to the to the uh, Federation headquarters. Tarka, finally, we get his backstory a little bit. He talks about how he wants to use this type of bomb that he's got planned because he and another scientist who were imprisoned by the Emerald Chain were working on dilithium alternatives, and they are trying to figure out how to get to another dimension where he thinks he will find his friend and he needs the power of this explosion to basically oh, right. possibly crack into that other universe. Yeah. It seemed very multiverse to me as it's he was describing sort of, it's it. A, it's another universe, not another dimension. Well, they well he say, says, he does say both, right? He says there are other it, universes yeah, and dimensions that we're right, not, because right. originally the, because, because uh, book says, oh, the mirror universe. And he says, there are many more universes and parallel dimensions. Okay. So it's both, right? They don't really clarify what exactly it is. Uh, my mind immediately went to uh, Star Trek Generations, right? The whole the yeah. the uh, Nexus space space Nexus. worm Nexus yeah. that goes through space. Yeah. Yeah. That was you know, and I was like, man, are we, we've already got a reference to like something from Star Trek Five. Now we're talking Star Trek Seven. This is getting very meta here. How many Star Treks are there? Uh, Thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. How Movies. many of those did they need to make? Five. Five. About five. Not not one through five, like no, no, no. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Okay. Yeah. Which one's ten? Ten? No, eleven. Eleven is the uh, the JJ one, the first JJ one, which was quite good. Oh, you're counting those. Okay. I think so. All right. Yeah. Ten I didn't was the JJ uh, ones. It's the uh, it's the insurrection one that I thought was like it could have been a TV show. It was a TV show. It was yeah. a good TV show. It was a TV mm-hmm. show. All right. Um, book as, as being motivated from hearing uh, Tarka's speech. Book then goes on the offense and basically he speaks to the delegates. He's trying to sway them, saying like, "Listen, we got to take these guys out. This is this is the only way at it." And of course, he's he's looking for vengeance for his planet, and. He's becoming increasingly at odds through this episode again. They've done a good job of, of you know, foreshadowing this through the last few episodes. But the, the rift between Book and Burnham is getting wider and wider. And this one, it completely splits wide open because in the end, she has to be the one. Relic basically says, I need you to be the person who speaks for that. I have to be impartial. You have to be the person who speaks on behalf of Starfleet and the Federation. So Book gives a very impassioned speech saying, hey, we got to blow these guys up. Burnham has to step up and take the complete opposite position, which is no, we need to approach this from a Federation values perspective. We have to stay true to our values, even if it means endangering ourselves. We can't just be on offense. And so we then go back to the ship, on the ship, uh, they discover this new cluster inside of uh, Zora's computer, and it's basically that she's created herself a subconscious, and so she's got all these memories. Unknowingly these so. Unknowingly so. Interesting, yeah. And so, yeah, it basically fits the criteria for, you know, dreaming. And, you know, unless a computer is programmed to dream, it won't dream. So if it's created this of its 
of its own volition unknowingly. Therefore, it is a living thing. And so Kovic is starting to draw the conclusion, okay, well, this is this is starting to become clearer. And then we get a really interesting, well-edited sequence between uh, Stamets giving his speech aboard Discovery about Zora and her rights to live and Burnham and the rights to 10C, species 10C, to have that similar, uh, you know, right to life and not right to death. And so as she's giving the speech, you can see just this huge fracture happening. Uh, Xavier will say, I was sitting in my chair going, because that was the ice crumbling underneath the book and and Burnham's relationship. Um, So, of course, they have their vote and... The vote says that they're going to take the first contact approach. And so Book is PO'd and he sort of says to Burnham, I'm out of here. And he he, he walks away. Um, Actually, he doesn't say oh, it. just gives her the cold he stare. Just walk, yeah, he just gives her a cold yeah, stare. And, all, and, and who didn't see what's coming next coming next? Yeah. Uh, back on the ship, Kovic basically acknowledges, you know, hey, actually this, you know, Zora meets all the criteria. She is a living thing. And therefore... Um, what if we, instead of, you know, trying to find another solution, we put her under the same rules? So Stamets offers, hey, what if we make her a specialist? She joins Starfleet, and then she has to follow her orders. badge and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Well, top, top transport, yeah. So she is now specialist Zora. Yeah. Um, Does she have to take the turbo lift, though? <laughs> no, as I was saying, you just do a little top-top thing on your, on your com badge, and off you go. Yeah, there they're gonna go. they're gonna they're gonna put her into like a little they're gonna have like a little holographic body for her in a couple of seasons. Yeah. Yeah. So um then we get a couple of little wrap-up scenes and and one of them that really takes us into our season break. So part of this discussion was Gray and Adira advocating for Zora, particularly Gray, given that Gray has now transformed from a living flesh and blood trill to a spirit as part of the Trill symbiont that only Adira could see to now being inhabiting a synthetic body. Uh, so therefore, or, or being you know, Picarded as it is now. Yeah, that's, that's right. So uh, Gray is, is, you know, very strongly invested and is very satisfied with the outcome. But as part of that um, whole experience, Adira can tell that, that Gray really wants to go back home to Trill and, and get a little more serious about his studies to become a guardian so adira recommends hey you know what you should go you should go so the two of them are going to go in the near future back to trill together and gray is going to stay there whether or not that means that you know alexander is leaving in the same way that we don't know if tilly West when Carter, we, yeah yeah t- yeah we don't know if tilly's coming back we don't know if gray's coming back we don't know if they're all coming back but it sounds like at least for a short term gray's going to be off the show which is i'm okay with it um then we get a, a cute scene with Saru and the uh, the president of Navarre, whose name I cannot remember. To start with a T, where he he gives her a a a flower that is used to make tea, and it's still very cute. Their relationship is still very cute. I had to put that in there. And then, of course, the inevitable, as Tim alluded to. So, Book and Tarka Nick the new spore drive that they were developing at Starfleet headquarters and they uh, basically drop it onto the counter on, on uh, books ship. It gets absorbed in and all of a sudden they have a spore drive basically aboard his ship that will theoretically allow them to 
do the same thing that they had intended, which is they wanted to take the discovery into the middle of the, the, um, yeah, he wanted to call it an EDM, but <laughs> oh, just uh, real time follow up. The name of the president of Navarre is uh, it's Tarina with an Tarina, apostrophe R I N A. Tarina, yeah. So, yes, they want to DMA. Yes, they wanted to basically go inside the spore drive, drop this thing inside this this uh device that they had concocted and then blow it up and then back out now they have the means to do that so they've stolen this thing they're off and they're gone and uh and we know it's serious because book leaves grudge behind on discovery with with burnham yeah and then basically burnham teleports down to the uh, shuttle bay just in time to watch him bolt out of there and yeah. that's the end of the first half of season one and we uh, get to see book's ship do the little twisty thingy which i thought oh, was yeah, really cool he, he did a jump yeah 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 so february 10th we will be the date that we are now looking forward to as we look ahead to the second half of season so four I, I know that 10cc is a really good 70s 80s music band how did we get 10c <laughs> Yeah, they just sort of dropped it at the beginning. I think it was maybe three episodes back. They sort of said, well, we don't know what to call the, these. So we'll call this, them 10C. So we'll just call it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like the, I always wonder, like, they're like, Things oh, yeah, for, like love, for eh? species 10C, it's like, why 10C? Was there a 10A and B? What happens to one through? Like, I don't know. I just like, why 10C? Because it, it sounds like tense. Oh, maybe. They can't I use 10 4 word. <laughs> <laughs> The alcoholic people yeah. that we can't find? I don't know. Maybe that's what happened. They got really drunk and made it a dark matter anomaly. They were in like, Voyager, there was uh, there was species 8472, right? Right. How did yeah. they did they circle around now? They're like, okay, we're done with it. We got up to the high numbers. Now we got to go back and put letters at the end of those. Yeah. Yeah. So They're using IPv, IPv6 numbers now instead of IPv4 ones. Yeah, really? Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, kind of what you expected from a a mid-season finale episode mm -hmm. it sort of sets the stakes for for the second half of the season and it also kind of gives you a little bit of uh of you know who the players are so we now know that book and tark are in, are in bed together we've got you know burnham and the group on the other side we've got zora things sorted out we've got this lingering storyline with uh culver and tilly are taking care of the storyline with um uh, Gray is taken care of. So we kind of cleared the decks for theoretically a more sort of strong push to the finish here. Mm -hmm. What uh, would what, you guys think? Of course, the question is now, where can we see the second half of the season? Because, I mean, we had a discussion before of like, well, is this break a time to switch over to go from like, oh, you can watch it on like in Canada here, it's, it's on Crave, uh, or you can watch it on our cable TV through our magic socialized sci-fi. Although, no, I don't know. Is it part of HBO or is it part of CTV Sci-Fi, right? CTV Sci-Fi here, yeah. Which is technically like yeah. it's it's a like it's a not a free channel, but it's like a it's not like HBO. It's not a premium yeah. channel. Yeah, right. No. It's part and, of and it won't be on. Channel. I mean, basically, like I think Jonathan rattled off the dates. I think you and I were talking the other day, and you rattled them off. Like what the. <clears throat> Like oh, in have. the episode last week, we talked about when things are coming back. So basically, next week is the return of Prodigy. Star Trek Prodigy. Yeah. That is going to run its course. When that runs out, then we segue straight back into the next half of Season of Discovery. When that ends, then we segue into Picard. It's six weeks, by the way, is the 
six weeks from today, which is the Thursday, the December 30th. Happy New Year, by the way, to everyone at the listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're in the future now. In we're you... in the future, yes. Happy oh, 2022. Happy last year. And yeah. Last I'm, glad, oh, I'm so glad that 2021 is over now, finally. Uh, yeah. That whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But yeah, you're right. You're right, Dave. I think the, I wonder if there's another ulterior motive. Obviously it's nice for them if they don't double up because then they can stretch that content out and stretch the subscribers out. But we talked about the fact that Paramount Plus is going to be launching in other markets outside of North America in 2022. I wonder if they're going to try and ramp that up in time so that people can catch up and then watch those new episodes on Paramount Plus as opposed to that. I can't even recall the name of the weird, obscure uh, third party. No, it wasn't Peacock. I'll check through the show notes here, but it was something I had never heard of before. Oh, oh, um, it's not Stock TV. That's the other one. Yeah, Jaime had mentioned it several episodes back that uh, it was going to be on this random thing. As I travel back in time, watch me as I travel back in time. This is some good television. Ah, Pluto. Oh, Pluto Pluto? TV. Pluto. Oh, Pluto TV. Yeah. Pluto TV is where it is currently airing. So if you're watching it outside of. But is Pluto TV real channel? Uh, well, Jaime seems to recognize it, uh, and he's the master. He's the master okay. of all things. You didn't things. get the joke that is it really a? It's no longer oh, a planet. Oh come so on! <laughs> well, I hate. It's not a planetoid. Pluto TV is an American channel. So it's a Pluto TV is an internet television service owned and operated by Viacom CBS Streaming, a division of Viacom CBS. Shocking. Uh, yeah, based in LA, California, in the United States, and parts of Europe, Latin America, in Brazil. Yeah. That's where you'll find it if you're not watching it on in America or in Canada. But it, it is owned by Viacom CBS, so theoretically, that's like kind of like CBS All Access. Yeah, well, Paramount is, Plus it was, is it also kind Netflix. of like CBS All Access. The Star Trek stuff was on Netflix previously, right? Yeah, worldwide. It was Netflix International. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it might be a good opportunity for that, but I do think that there is something to be said for you know we always joke with Jaime that you know. The goal of these platforms now is to keep giving you content so that you don't take breaks. They want you to keep paying monthly, and they especially want you to get into the habit of not going off and on, off and on, off and on. They want you to stay on as often as possible. So for them, if they know they have this this uh, rabid Star Trek fan base, if they spread these things out and they take their time with them, they're going to keep more dollars in their pockets. Right. So that makes sense to me, irrespective of whether or not they're going to have the, the um, Paramount Plus internationally or, or otherwise. Although, again, if they can get that up, that's even better because it's more money in their pockets if they can launch that too. So so it's the Lopez calculus we're calling that, right? <laughs> the, the Lopez calculus. <laughs> yes. Uh, any any remaining thoughts on... Uh... Well, my my one concern... my one This was a very Star Trek-y kind of show because it was a lot of yeah. talking, um, not so much pew-pew-pew. And... Um, you know, for those of us who weren't actually watch, looking at the screen as the show episode was going on, it was very confusing when Stamets and, and Burnham were doing their talk at the same time. I, I looked up at the screen and went, what? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> uh, it was almost like they were they were saying one thing, but they were like, it's kind of like they were both saying the same thing, but in different 
different ways. It's almost right? as if there was a symmetry there and one had to watch the visual medium to understand what was happening. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This television thing you speak of, does it require eyes and ears? Or yeah, just it's kind ears? of like this video where people might, <laughs> yeah, might like, be looking at right now. Exactly. I mean, if you if you didn't watch the video version, this would miss my awesome podcast shirt, which you can't get. Okay, well, <laughs> one of a kind. Show them, you should show them the Matrix variation on that one. Oh, yes, yes. Well, so can, uh, yeah, yeah. Through the magic of green screens. Yeah. There this you is go. why you wear your green shirt to record a podcast, kids. Yeah. There you go. Now I have to speak so you become the camera. But you can add video. Oh my. Oh. Oh, good. Uh, that's yeah. You can add. So you can add video to the to the feed. You can have like you know sharks swimming across. Re your repeat shirt after me, Xavier. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Which pill did you take to get it to look like that, man? Exactly. And do you have others? So speaking of the Hawkeye season finale. Yes. So season finale, we got a whole bunch of colliding storylines come together. We had the culmination of the Yelena trying to kill Clint, the Clint mm -hmm. trying to get home, the what's going on with uh, Kate and Kate's mom, what's going on with Jack, what's going on with Echo, what's going on with the Kingpin. They really had stacked a lot of stuff to finish up in an hour-long finale. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of pew-pew. And that was kind of my only issue with it was I thought this was a really fun series. I really love the chemistry, the, the, the chemistry between Kate and Clint, the chemistry between Kate and Yelena uh, or Florence Pugh and um, Haley Steinfeld was great. Mm -hmm. And there were some great moments in the finale, but man, they were trying to do a lot. They were really trying to do a lot in this one episode. Like, I really feel like it would have been more satisfying if maybe we could have wrapped up the Echo stuff when they're going to do her own series, or if we could have done the Echo stuff in the penultimate episode, just so that we didn't have so much lifting to do. Because as it was, and again, it was deftly done. Disney does great stuff. It was done well, but there was still, I felt like too many hurdles to clear in one episode and it just became a little bit too cluttered yeah that being busy. said it, it was, was good. busy it was really well done like mm -hmm. relatively speaking but yeah there was i mean like like thinking back on it now like you say the like when you point out the different plot lines that were being closed off i mean like uh yelena and clint don't actually meet up until all of the tracksuits have been dispatched right mm-hmm you know, which is kind of a weird thing because, like, you're thinking, well, what if there's one one rogue guy who's just waking up and, you know... Yeah. Um, yeah, the Kingpin thing was kind of... And we talked about this a bit last week with, with Xavier about the um, the beating that Kate takes and the beating mm -hmm. that Kingpin take. I mean, like, that's yeah. my, my... Not knowing who Kingpin was, now that I've been watching Daredevil, I'm getting a better, better sense of who he is. But, you know, kind of wondering, like, what is he? Some sort of, like, you know, alien force, like... Very much like a Jessica Jones who can heal instantly, you know, kind of thing. Even though well, she there's doesn't. there's two things. One, he's supposed to be massive and and very hard to to penetrate just because he's so physically yeah. intimidating. The other is that he's he's a mobster, so he has like Kevlar basically sewn into his clothing. Oh, too. true. Yeah, I did see that in the in the latest episode of Daredevil I was watching. Yeah, somebody tried so to him he's not bulletproof. Uh, yeah, but you kind of got to shoot him between the eyes, and yeah. it has to be a very large bullet. Yeah. Or so, arrow is the case maybe. Or arrow is the case maybe. Yeah. Well, in this case, it is a bullet, right? Because that's the. Uh, well, yeah. Th yeah. Ironically, you know, Kevlar does not defend you against arrows. It defends you against bullets. Well, because it's I mean, not. Yeah, yeah, it's about force and impact versus uh, penetration, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, 
it could it'd be better than nothing you would think what sure. kibler no yeah. i mean the, the thing about it is is the the needle the point of an arrow can go through the, the threads in the fabric which is how kevlar works yeah kevlar like a bullet when a bullet hits you it's actually a blob of lead yeah right so it just kind of can't go through the threat through the threads and that's how it, it's you still get knocked off your your keys oh yeah. yeah 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 and yeah. it does hurt you know but yeah you it don't just you doesn't just make a hole die. In you. you get a nice bruise right a bruise is better than a hole Take, yeah, I yes. don't ever want to try that out, just to be sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> clear, well, next know. time you bring your Kevlar vest over, I'll, I'll bring out the toll gauge and see yeah. how it works out. Isn't that definitely? Definitely, you got to say that, that Hawkeye is definitely one of the better, you know, marble vehicles that we've seen. You know. Yeah, I mean, it was just so much more grounded. It, it, obviously, it was a little bit closer to the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier as far as just yeah. being a little more sort of uh, rooted, but it was. It was a lot. They were trying in the same way that I kind of struggled with with some of these other, you know, movies, Eternals we talked about, just trying to sort of do too much. This kind yeah. of felt like the same thing. Like it was a backdoor pilot for the Echo series while right. simultaneously being a new vehicle for launching the new Hawkeye while simultaneously saying goodbye to the old Hawkeye while simultaneously building, you know, bringing back the Kingpin into the Marvel Universe. It, it's just a lot. It's, it was a lot. For, especially for six episodes in six weeks, or for six episodes in five weeks, it was a bit of a lot. I think it would have been a little cleaner if you could have taken some of that clutter out. I think when you get down to the root of it, which is, you know, Clint, his guilt, Kate, her aspirations, and even if you added in the Yelena, uh, you know, trying to resolve her feelings about her sister's death stuff, mm -hmm. I think that would have been enough. But adding in the kingpin of it all, the whole red herring with, you know, the swordsman, Jack, and and all that, plus the Echo stuff, it, it just, it was a lot to cram into one series. The, the reason it rose above and the reason that it thrived, I think, was because uh, I think that the actors and actresses were phenomenal. Yeah. There was some great action stuff. And in the end, I think it's going to hold up fine. But I think this is another one of those series that it's, it has a lot more glue than it does glitter. Yeah. I mean, so just to back up on the, the whole concept of these. So Clint is a, a talented human being. He's not got any special capabilities. And same with Elena. Elena's just been trained to the nines like, like Black yep. Widow has been. Yep. Um, As is uh, Kate. Kate Kate's yeah, just Kate, like same a thing. good yeah. archer person. She does. Yep. She does actually. He does actually call her partner in, in this yep. episode, which is you know sort of a that that's a kind of a a point for her that she's been sort of trying to get to, right? So could she kind of what? <laughs> yeah. In that one. What's uh? What was your takeaway from the end of this? Where you know she's trying to figure out what to name herself, and one of the closing scenes there, she says, "says you know what about Hawk Girl? What about you know?" Yeah. Different isn't she going to be? Isn't didn't you, isn't that you just said she's she's going to be the new Hawkeye, right? She's the new Hawkeye. Oh, that's what he says. I've got a better idea, and then it closes with the Hawkeye logo. Oh, I see. Right. So the idea is that the torch is then passed. So the question then becomes: Is this the last we see of Jeremy Renner? Mm, sure. In the MCU. Yeah, could be. Could and be. and as such, are you sort of okay because the torch he did burn he burned the Ronin uniform too, right? So Yeah, but he's I mean he's still got his new uniform that they do this one, which by the way, I thought looked ridiculous. I did not like it at all, his new uniform. Um I thought hers looked fantastic. Hers looked very sort of comics accurate and, and good. His just looked like uh, he was wearing clothes two sizes too small for him, but I thought That's um, really what most uh, most superhero outfits are is just like tight spandex. 
Yeah, although hers, again, seems somewhat pragmatic. Like it had, you know... It looked more armor-like and less just like tight fit suit. Yeah. Stretchy, yeah. 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 But yeah, I think as a send-off for Jeremy Renner's character, I don't think this was bad. It does do a good job of passing the torch. And I think if this was the last that we see of that character and we're just supposed to think he's retired now, he's going to quietly go deaf on the farm with his wife and his kids. That's good. Did you guys, this is the one I wanted to run by both of you. Um, so the MacGuffin of this series was the watch, right? The Rolex. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was because we, you know, the, the suit we got early, the sword he got back. So the question was, where uh, what's the significance of the rolex and in the end we discover that it was his wife's and that when she flips it over you see the shield logo and it says agent 19 so agent 19 is the code number for mockingbird who is a very famous comic book character famously married to hawkeye for a long period of time in the comics therefore we're supposed to uh get that his wife was at one point a shield agent as at one point was mockingbird. Right. Did you guys get that in the moment? No, I didn't know. I none of that. Like I, now that you explained it, obviously I understand, <laughs> but I've never heard of the character. I've never heard of agent 19. I'm not really with agents of shield. Again, maybe if I had watched the TV show, it would make more sense, but like, did they cover mockingbird agent 19? I guess something they cover in agents of shield. No, I don't no. think so. Mind okay. you, I stopped watching Agents of Shield. It got really, really boring there. I think okay, because I was like, I felt like I don't know if that was I missed something because I missed a show, or if that's I missed something because I haven't read the comics. Like, because again, if you don't have that knowledge from, I guess the comic books, then does that really make sense? Like, because you just be like, oh, okay, it's a watch. Does the Shield logo on it? Like, and you're supposed to assume that. Like, I mean, I get, I inferred that that meant that she was supposed to be a Shield agent. It was just a question of like whether. You know, like the significance of that it was, the, you know, Agent 19 or that, it, you know, what that had to do with Mockingbird. I think it's the kind of thing you might only know if you've read the comic books. So Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't make that leap, but I, I did notice the logo on the back. It didn't, you know, didn't really tweak with me either that it was a S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. But yeah, and of course, like you said, I would, how would we know as non-Marvel yeah. comic book kind of people? As a, the lowly only TV and movie and watchers people. And to be fair, like, it's it's not something that, like, even Agent 19, not every comic fan even knows that. I just have to, I have to hone in. I've read a comic where she debuts a long, long time ago. She doesn't use that moniker very often. But it's, to me, I think, again, that's one of those sort of weird, I don't want to call it a flaw, but it's maybe an overreach that there's this MacGuffin through this whole thing that's so important but even when she gets it back, she's like, cool, but like, what's the difference whether they have that or not? Is it just because it means something to her? Is there something special inside? Is there like a list of names inside? Like they really don't do a good satisfying job of, of why the watch matters so much other than like his wife wants it. Like I just, I, they don't un MacGuffin the MacGuffin. They don't do a good job of trying to explain it at all. It really just seemed to be a thing for moving the plot forward, which is the epitome of MacGuffin and so that again didn't land very well for me, and and in spite of my having that knowledge, I still was like, oh, okay, so we're supposed to infer that she's Mockingbird. Cool, but why does the why does the watch matter so much? Well, like, again, the difference? yeah, well, it it identifies her somehow. That's what he said to her at the very end. But I mean, like like to your point, though, if Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye is going away, what's the point of surfacing her as Mockingbird? Yeah, 
All right, let's move on to the Book of Boba Fett. The Book Ooh. of Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. So this was a, a, an episode where I guess we... <laughs> it answers a lot of the questions like, okay, he died in Return of the Jedi, and then he returned in Mandalorian, and what how did he between? get out of the Sarlacc pit? And, you know, and, and a, a number of things. And, like, the whole... I mean, spoilers for people who haven't seen it, I guess. Um, the whole series with the um, Tusken Raiders, you know, where mm-hmm. he's trying to survive that ordeal. You know, he gets kidnapped, he survives, he makes friends with this young Tusken Raider. I don't know if that comes back later on. It seems well, that he's... He, we we he, see him in The Mandalorian. He looks uh, like he has been living a hard life, but he's also mastered the gaffy stick, which is the, the weapon that they use. Okay, right. Because he right. uses that to beat the tar out of a bunch of stormtroopers in The Mandalorian. So we know that he must have gotten some training at some point on how to use a gaffy stick. And so here, I guess, we, is where we're sort of building that bridge to how he survived, what happened to him afterwards, and then what he's been up to in the intervening time, which by our maths works out to be about five years. I was going to say, like, because he, I mean, they didn't try and de-age the actor. Like, I'm like, are we supposed to think the man, I, I was going to ask you about a time reference here. Does the Mandalorian, Mandalorian must come right at the end of Mandalorian is supposed, to be, is supposed to be five years after Return of the Jedi. So it's it's the Empire has fallen. There are still pockets of it out there. The New Republic has been formed, but it isn't everywhere yet. And now they're trying to sort of bring the rest of the, the galaxy back to heel. While at the same time, we know that Palpatine is theoretically alive and a, has been cloned and is sort of working to rebuild the First Order out on the fringes of the galaxy. So that's what the whole Grogu, Grogu's blood stuff all sort of adds up to right they're trying to basically extract midichlorians yeah. and, and clone a, a so i have emperor. one sort of inappropriate question that i've often wondered about having mm-hmm. seen star star trek star wars whatever when boba fett goes and finds jango fett's helmet why doesn't his head it fall out? out why doesn't the head fall out <laughs> yeah i've seen people do that on photoshop where there's the scene where he picks it up and holds it like this and you just see the head roll away yeah i i had the same thought as i watched that i was like that's a meme i don't understand why the why the bloody stumped head doesn't just fall out but yeah because i mean like why would you why would you mourn your dad's helmet like maybe he took it off because he was sweaty you know <laughs> <laughs> well i think he's supposed to have looked over and seen his decapitated father so Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't you go and hug your decapitated father's body? I don't know. What would you do, Zave, in that situation? What would I, you do? I, yeah, if you saw my head and, well, yeah. Just empty his pockets police, and get maybe. his Visa card and walk away? What? <laughs> yeah. I'd go back to the house that I now owned and the car that I now owned. <laughs> You'd be going, sweet, them. iPhone 13 Pro, yay. <laughs> yeah. And sweet, $100,000 a comic book I can now sell. Woo-hoo. I'm set. Good to know where you're at, son. Um, I I got to be honest. Uh, as a first episode, I thought this was pretty weak. Really? It didn't blow yeah, me well, away. Didn't blow me away. No. I thought they kind of rushed a little bit between the two source storylines. I don't have a clear direction of where it's going, other than like they're going to tell you these sort of two parallel tracks of where he was and where he is. Um. I mean, I'm I'm in. Obviously, I'm in. It's not like I'm going to be like to hell with this series, but it it really did not grip me in the way that I was hoping. Yeah, I, I think as 
as a longtime Star Wars fan who's read plenty of expanded universe comics, whatever, whatever, the idea of him getting out of the Sarlacc in what was probably 30 to 50 seconds of this episode bummed me out. I, I just thought it should be more of an ordeal. He right. literally like wakes up is like, oh, I was knocked out and I'm inside of a Sarlacc. This sucks. Oh, I'll just get a breath of fresh air from this guy over here and then I'll burn my way out and then I'm out. Like it just felt really not as well told as some of the expanded universe material about how his how he had to endure that. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a different perspective, I guess. I mean, for me, I kind of wonder if some of this background stuff sh- shouldn't have been done in episode two or three. I don't, I don't know how many episodes they're doing, but I mean, like, kind of like you want to establish him as a badass guy. You want to establish him and, and I've forgotten the name of the new character, you know, taking oh, over Jabba's... Yeah. Um, Fennec Shand, yeah. Taking over Jabba's, what do you call it? Uh, what do they call oh. these guys? Well, he's a daimyo. He's a he's a warlord, basically. He's yeah, taking a, over a crime his, lord. Yeah, taking yeah. over his syndicate, right? Yeah. Um, and establishing himself like he's got to walk through this, the town and you know not get carried through like a like a whatever. Um, like there's he establishes like a sultan, yeah. He establishes that he's going to be slightly different. I mean, they could have they could have spent the episode doing that or or whatever they're going to do in episode two. They could have done that this time and then satisfied those of us who said who were thinking, well, what about the Starlock pit and what about you know how did he learn to use the stick and all that kind of stuff? Like when when did that happen, right? So I mean, I looked at him and I thought, when did his face get all burned up? That was never addressed either, right? You know? Yeah. Although I think the idea is that. Uh, that, that that damage is supposed to happen between being inside the Sarlacc pit and also being um, exposed after that, right? They basically are, are oh, lit, keeping him out of the, the sun. sun or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I thought I thought his face was scarred during that whole period there. I, t- I will tell you though, the seven special... episodes, Tim. Seven huh? episodes. Okay, so I guess they have to they have to shut us up about that. You know, what about the Sarlacc pit, man? Uh, early, I guess, to get that done. I mean, you know, I didn't I didn't not enjoy the show. It was I thought it was pretty good, pretty Star Star Warsy, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing we always talk about. It's any Star Wars is good Star Wars. Any Star Trek is good Star Trek. You know, there's always good things to take away from it. It just felt a little, I mean, the idea of a standalone Boba Fett movie, TV show, any of that stuff has been lingering for, for decades that that's something the fans really want. I'll be curious. I haven't really spent any time looking into it. Uh, You know, we watched it last night and I, haven't spent any time sort of exploring other people's takes on it so far. So perhaps I'm in the minority, but it just felt a little on the nose. Like nothing happened there that I wouldn't have been able to, you know, a thousand monkeys with a thousand typewriters. Like it just wasn't, didn't take me anywhere I didn't expect to go. And I still don't know what the purpose of it is. Like what's, so what is this? This is, He's now going to take over as the crime lord. We're going to get his backstory of how he survived all this stuff and how it shaped him. I hope it's more than that, because so far I don't feel an investment, which is just disappointing. I think that's maybe it was just too built up in my head. Maybe I'm still cluttered from the expanded universe takes on some of this stuff. Maybe it's just the hype. Also, the one thing I did see a little bit on social even today was people saying like, the whole point of Boba Fett was that he was a man of few words in the, in the original movies, and he was a man of mystery. He never took his mask off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He said very little. And so far in this one, one, 
He wears his helmet very little. He wears his, his bald Tamura Morrison noggin out most of the time, which I think kind of ruins the effect. And two, he talks a lot. It, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it kind of kind of takes the wind out of the sails a little bit, you know? Like it, the, they're not leaning into the the strengths of the character, which is this mysterious man with his own sort of code doing his own thing in a very polarized galaxy, but he's charting his own path. And maybe they'll get more to the root of that, but so far it just feels like paint by numbers. Yeah, it's true. I, I did like the appearance of the Jawas. I thought they were pretty funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like like just they just sort of like nothing sacred to them nope um and then uh, and i i did appreciate the fact that they didn't try and put subtitles on the uh the tuscans so they just let yeah. their their language be what it is right so mind you i didn't turn yeah. this up i have today this episode but there are um there are some really good expanded universe stories about the tuscans and the way that they live and sort of the 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 depths of their culture and stuff like that. I think they treat them a little bit like an indigenous culture should be treated, which is to respect their ways in, in some of the yeah. stories that have been told outside of that. And I'm hoping they capture a little bit of that there too, where it, it's not necessarily about speaking the same language if you understand people's intent and values. So the other question I have is, is, is the entire planet covered in little balls with water in them? Yeah, and if so, where were those in every other Tatooine yeah. story we ever saw, ever? Ever, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They look like um, those, uh, what do you call those, you know, those, those um, sea anemones that you get where the, it's like a yeah. Like yeah. coral, and it, and when they die, they, they just leave these little balls. Yeah. I thought they looked like watermelons, to be honest. Yeah, a little kind bit. Of like roundish with the little, like the weird, like colored veins instead of dark. Yeah, I thought they were, like, they were hard shell, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, to, I, me, to I, me, they were like melons or something, but. Yeah. yeah I couldn't decide like whether they were supposed to be like, uh, like a, a sort, of, sort of fruit or vegetable or if they were supposed to be like a living creature of some kind. I thought hmm. they were like coconuts, right? Where you crack them open and there's like liquid inside that you could drink. Yeah. Like ground, water ground, coconuts? Ground, co ground coconuts? They're like, yeah, but like melons, you know, where like crack them open, there's liquid, you can drink it, you know? I did appreciate that the the monster that he fights off with that young Tuscan looked very much like the Kraken from the 1980 uh, Clash of the Titans with the Ray Harryhausen monsters in yeah, it. I thought that yeah. was a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that that yeah, and when it walked, it walked like a centaur, like a centaur, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, that was that was a really interesting. Uh, but you know, <laughs> the thing I was thinking about though is is and I know that uh, Leia, you know, he does the Leia trick where he uses the chain to choke whatever he's yeah. fighting, right? Yeah, the Leia maneuver. Yeah, um, like it's kind of like you know the one the one conceit about Star Wars University. It's the same thing we have in 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 star trek is that you know in star trek everybody has two eyes a nose ears and a mouth and two arms and two legs yep. and private parts where private parts are right but except in the undiscovered country but um like does everybody every creature in the entire universe breathe through their 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 from their head and you know like octopuses don't yeah <laughs> you know and do they all breathe the same air like well exactly and then the way that the way they kill them is just choke them with a with a chain that you're attached to you know and then apparently like sever its head and walk around the village going look ahead yeah and and so yeah like and like he wins the favor of the of the chieftain because he lets his son walk around and say look we killed this you know we i'm a, now a man because i well you know. i think i think he basically lets the kid take credit for it right like oh, I don't think I he see, says right. i don't think he says like you did this i think he comes back basically saying like here you oh, tell the kid, him you the did, kid did his yeah. first heroic act or whatever yeah. so he lets the kid take the credit for the big achievement basically yeah and the dad kind of goes yeah hey thanks 
Right. Here, here, have a couple, have a, have a shot on me. Yeah. Well, and like, yeah, I guess, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's, it's good to be in that universe. I like the character. I am glad that it's here. I just think it was kind of a, a little bit. I think the biggest issue I has is that the series hasn't defined its stakes. Like, what is it about? If, if all it's about is let's talk about what he, where he was and what he's doing now. And what he's doing now is trying to build his own crime syndicate and he's going to come up against other bad guys and like, eh, eh, it's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. It's just, I kind of want it to be more than that. I, I really want a Boba Fett series to be something so, absolutely memorable. I guess the question is you've, since you've read the extended universe stuff, where does he end up with like in the force awakens time frame? Like where is, where is Boba Fett at that point in time? I have not seen any stories from that far in the future. So the stuff that I've read in book form and then in comic book form are all set in this sort of time frame, like with the, the, the few years after. In different iterations, he survives the Sarlacc Pit for different reasons, depending on which interpretation you read. He survives, and then he basically goes back out and, uh, you know resumes his bounty hunting career the wider you know career it doesn't it doesn't go this path of starting wanting to start his own crime empire and stuff like that and it really it puts him into conflict with the other bounty hunters so he encounters some of the other sort of menagerie of those people and yeah it really doesn't have this same arc but the root of all of them is that you know he's kind of changed by the experience of surviving something as deadly as being swallowed by a sarlacc and it does do pretty serious damage to him which i think they capture here with him having to keep putting himself back into that back, oh, to, into tank. The back to tank yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i thought yeah, well, i kind of thought he was in that just because it's kind of like a, a rich man's thing to do you know yeah Although, I, I don't even know they could have poured the gigantic version of bib fortuna that they had uh, at the end of the mandalorian into that thing because he was looking pretty um corpulent large of well i was going to say where's where's the where's jabba the hut back to tank right yeah really is that the swimming pool waiting pool (laughs) exactly um what about you zave did you're you're a little bit sort of more disconnected and obviously you know the the uh return of the jedi's ancient history to you what what was your take on this this version of this yeah i mean i thought it was good i agree with you i don't think it was like i didn't blow my socks out it wasn't like oh my god this is amazing i can't wait for more it was like this is good like i'm fine with it i, I didn't i didn't wasn't like this is bad but i wasn't like eager for more you know and if mm. i was it was more like i want to see them like i want to see the rest of this because i want to see if it gets better you know like i think if, if this was it and i never saw it anymore i'd probably be like it it was fine how much happened i think i think i think i'm sure over the course of the seven episodes it will play out more i just think i think this is a very sort of just getting your feet wet like it was very introductory very surface level so hopefully over the next couple episodes they'll go into more detail about how all this plays out and we'll get some more in-depth look at this stuff until then i'm like yeah i mean again i think it's, it's hard to just something like this especially at the beginning because it is a very surface level thing right like it's they're sort of like okay here's what's happening and now we'll continue with this over the next episode, you know, two, three, but, four. But five, don't six, you want that first episode to hook you? Don't you want there to be a, a beyond just like again? It shouldn't be enough that the character is the hook. That's I think no, where that's I'm, I'm concerned is just saying we're doing Hawkeye, we're doing Captain America, we're doing Boba Fett, we're doing Jabba the Hutt. Like that shouldn't be enough of a hook. It is unfortunately, but it shouldn't be enough of a hook. It still should be using the tools of 
good storytelling to bring you in so that you care about what's happening to that character, not just that the character is there. No, no, and I absolutely agree with that. I'm just saying, I think that they're sort of looking at this as like a, the first episode isn't so much a hook, it's like a, I don't know, I'll just say this. Like, I, my hope is that over the course of the next couple episodes, more will happen and more I will become more engaged with the material. Well, here, here's an example. Is, here's an example. Like, like we've talked about Witcher on the show. I watched maybe 20 minutes of Witcher and I have not watched an, an episode since, right? And then what was the one I watched the other day? Wheel of Time. I started. I watched about five minutes of the Wheel of Time and I haven't gone back to it since. I mean, that's. I think that's what we're talking about is that there needs to be some reason, some compelling reason other than the fact that it's Star Wars why yeah. you want to come back right so yeah and and yeah i think jonathan may be right maybe there is no compelling reason i mean it was better than i tell you this even even taking off my star star trek fan hat star wars fan hat i should say um star something star lost <laughs> hat. space 2099 yeah, space, space adventure show i mean even space 1999 had you hooked on the first episode right like mm-hmm. you know they did they they Blew up the moon and well, and think about even like the, the the first episode, the pilot of, of Battlestar Galactica. Like, man, that is a sales pitch. You want to see what happens, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Not not Firefly. Seen the movie, Firefly though. is even better when it's earned horror. I'm told. And like, I mean, <laughs> you know, what's better than the first episode. This is the first thing you get to see, but not the first episode is the best thing to see. <laughs> Definitely that. Well, can you imagine? Like, what was the first episode of Firefly? I think it was the second or third episode. Was the, the train job? Broadcast? I think was the first one they aired. Sorry, what you get is a phenomenal. The train episode. job, the, the so... one where they they steal that they break into the train and they steal yeah. stuff, but you have no yeah. idea who the characters are, what's but, happening. But but it's a great episode with great characters, great acting, great chemistry and it'll get you hooked. You might be like, I don't know what's going on. None of this plot makes sense. But if you're like, hey, this is interesting and fun and I want to see more, maybe I'll stick around to watch episode well, I seven mean, and then so, one so and then Jabba two. And, or not Jabba. <laughs> Boba Fett, Fett and, and his partner. Fennec. Fennec. The, and the, the, it was compelling enough to watch, you know, and, and sort of the the way he sort of, you know, gets the two Gamorrean guards to to side with him. Was kind well, the, of two, the, two, the two sort of threads that they start to weave as you go through this are the one where the mayor's uh, vassal shows up and basically says like, oh, no, no, you, we don't bribe you, you bribe us and you're going to be getting another visit soon. So that's obviously setting up a conflict with the, the mayor of Mos Espa. And then the other one is you don't cast jennifer beals as the the twi'lek the the with the two things off the back of her head you don't cast an actress the caliber of jennifer jennifer beals in that role unless she's going to have a lot more to do right yeah so those are the sort of two possible future points that this goes but again not not a lot of hook not a lot of a lot of sizzle and not a lot of steak so hopefully hopefully it uh hopefully season does season two episode two comes back strong and we get a little more to to dig into but again any star wars is good star wars seeing boba fett the just the bit oh, where they, you know any star wars is good star wars no I, nine, let me take that back episode nine come on who said that episode nine that's not the worst one episode nine Rise is skywalker pretty close no, to the worst attack of the clones it's, okay but episode nine of the new trilogy is horrible yeah it, it should it should have been uh, it should have been um darth maul as the as the baddie yeah that you're applying logic oh and we're forgetting the best part of this pre- uh, premiere of Boba fett matt barry as that robot oh, that, yes. as boba fett's robot assistant friend like yes come on matt barry douglas mm. renham sure. yeah we, were joking. we can't say 
Yeah, that's right. Damn these electric sex pants. Um, Redacted. We, no, no, you're allowed to say sex pants on the show. You just you, oh, can't okay. use, you can't use anything more graphic than that. Um, yeah, we were joking because uh, Richard Ayoade from uh, so Xavier and I and our whole family. I think our favorite sitcom of all time is is IT Crowd, mm-hmm. and uh, Richard Ayoade played Zero, uh, one of the bounty hunters uh, breaking into the prison in season two or season. Well, one season one of Mandalorian. Now we've got Matt Berry, who was also one of the stars of the show, playing uh, one of the robots uh, working for Boba. So we were going to be really, really supporting uh, Catherine Parkinson and Chris O'Dowd, the the other two remaining oh, main characters from that show. We want them. Hear us, Disney Plus. We want Chris O'Dowd and Catherine Parkinson in some capacity on this show. Yeah, exactly. Cool. And then at some point, an adventure for those four characters for no explicable reason. Mm, yeah, they go to like they travel. They the all past. work in Jabba's basement, right? Yeah, they all work in IT. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to our watch list. So we got quite a few things to go through here. Um, so I just wanted to. I was going to put this in the in the the sort of headliney follow up fact checky stuff, but um, I forgot to mention when I was talking about that Dark Matter BBC series. The reason I started watching it wasn't so much about that I was interested in dark matter. I didn't go out of my way to find it. Just, I just sort of started playing it and I recognized the voice. I'm like, wait a minute, that's Hannah Fry. So I stopped it and I went back and and went back to the part where they, because you know, they introduced the person and they have the little name, subtitle name, it shows up and it turned out that yes, it was in fact Hannah Fry. So I listened to a podcast called The Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry, otherwise known as Rutherford and Fry, which is, um, I'll get the names here in one sec. Adam Rutherford and Hannah Fry do a show on BBC uh, where they basically take different, you know, scientific things and talk about them and poke holes in them and that kind of stuff. So they'll they'll do like a thing on string theory or like this week they did one on they're doing a session on AI, but not you know like like the the machines taking over the the world they did do that one but they're you know sort of like how ai is being um used in in today's society anyways from a scientific point of view it's really really interesting uh thing and they've been doing it for a number of years so there's a bit of banter between the two of them so it's kind of kind of really interesting thing and she's a super smart woman so yeah anything she's on that i recognize her voice i'll i'll sit and watch so there you go rutherford and fry um my second one is don't look up. My advice is don't watch this or don't don't look don't watch it all. Don't look anywhere. Um, you know, amazing cast, right? I, and you know, shot during COVID, they were all in a bubble. You know, it's like um, um, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio and yeah, the president Meryl Streep. Meryl, Meryl Streep plays the president. She plays the president yeah. very close to a, a, a recent president we may have had. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, Jonah Hill plays her son, and his expectation is he carries a purse. Merce, sorry, <laughs> Merce. Um, and it's about a. I'm giving a spoilers away. It's about a comet coming towards the Earth and going to destroy yeah. the Earth, and everybody's going to die in six months. And the social media network picks up on it. The news people pick on up on it. There's a the, um, uh, there's a the Daily Show um, with Kate Blanchett as one of the hosts, and and um, it's the guy who does all the movies. Uh, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. Yeah. They're, they're like the morning hosts and they have these yep. two on to talk about. And they're like, they're, they're doing the morning show thing. And they're like, they're going to have them on. There's the cute little science segment at the end. Mm. And mm-hmm. so nobody's taking this thing seriously. And then there's the whole, you know, nobody believes it's a real comet and, you know, yeah. And so is a commentary on our times then. So yeah. It, 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 sure, I understand. 
Thanks, Siri. Did I say Siri? I don't think I she did. doesn't understand what's going yeah, on. Whatever this movie whatever either I said. Apologize to all the Siri machines that that got triggered by what I was just saying. But anyway, um, hey Siri, set a timer for ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's set an alarm for set an alarm for one a.m. Yes, yes, set an alarm for four a.m. Please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm very sorry. Amazing cast, amazing cast, interesting story, but you know what? It was just painful to watch. I mean, mm. it, I think maybe, and people are loving it, and I don't get it. So, is it that they are they are not loving the? It says you didn't love the commentary. You didn't love the like which which aspect of it that really didn't sit with you. It's very uncomfortable to watch. The president is is like annoying. You want to just slap them you know so that uh, was not, like 2017 to 2021 like i yeah i get that like it's realistic yeah, yeah it's well you know what you know it's it's yeah i don't know it's just you're, it's a rental is my 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 basic vote on this is like i you know amazing cast but like if you look on my lettered uh, or letterboxd uh, review amazing cast horrible movie basically mm. three stars yeah i don't often oh. give three stars that much um yeah, so that was good. Then did I talk about Encounter a couple of weeks ago? It doesn't ring a bell. So Encounter is, uh, and then you got, of course, got to go to IMDb to get the name of the actor from Star Wars Rogue One. So Encounter kind of showed up on my on my radar as uh, something to watch on. I think it's Disney Plus. I want to say it's on the Apple TV, right? Uh, Riz, Riz, Riz Ahmed. Oh, Riz Ahmed. Yeah. Riz Ahmed plays it, and and. Um, Octavia Spencer's in it as well. Like really good cast. It, it starts out as a guy who is trying to fight off a an alien invasion. Did I not tell you this, but but this John? No, it doesn't ring a bell. So the the, is this, the trailer. This isn't, this isn't the same as the what is it invasion or the no, alien invasion? something else. Yeah. Okay. No, it's it's about a guy about a guy who's who's an ex military guy. He's just come back from Afghanistan and he's fighting off this this. Um, uh, invasion that is taking over people and you know like taking them over and you know making them automatons and attacking and killing and whatever so it starts off like a sci-fi movie but it, it isn't a sci-fi movie because you know as the story progresses you find out more and more about the fact that because the question is is this invasion real or is it in his head that's all i'm going to say mm. <laughs> you know and it goes on from there and, it, and it's a really it's an interesting really interesting movie um but you know, I think overall, uh, I mean, gr- I mean, great, great story. But but I, as a movie, I basically got to give it three and a half stars. So it's better than Don't Look Up. If you're not going to watch Don't Look Up, watch Encounter. You you won't be sorry. Um, and my last one is a really really good movie. I was a little worried about seeing this one at first because I love Lucy. I'm a huge fan of I Love Lucy, as most people are. She was like you know pioneer on on uh, American television, pioneer you know in terms of you know having a racial but racially diverse uh relationship on tv um it's a it's a biopic and i mean just in terms of endorsement um the movie is a portrayal of lucy arnett lucy Oval and desi arnaz and the relationship and the making of the i love lucy tv show and all the sort of controversy controversies they go through um there's a, a question about uh, lucille ball's past that that gets unearthed during her career which is a famous story um i'm not going to go into in case you haven't you didn't know it because i didn't know it and um you know about ricky ricardo's you know infidelity and that kind of stuff not ricardo um 
Desi Arnaz infidelity. But the thing is, like, it was endorsed by Lucy Arnaz, which, you know, she's the daughter of these two people. And if, and if your kid who lived with you endorses this, this portrayal, it's pretty good. Now, I was a little, like, I was, I, I didn't recognize the actors on the, from the poster, whatever, but uh, when I tell you that it's, it's Javier Bardem plays Desi Arnaz. And Nicole Kidman. And Nicole Kidman plays Lucy. Yeah. Nicole Kidman is bang on. Like, you you know, it's Nicole Kidman at first, but after like, probably after about 10 minutes, you're like, she's Lucille Ball. She's got the, oh. the, the, the intonation, the voice down. And she even switches like, you know, cause Lucy, she's got the Lucy, you know, banter at, when she's just talking normally. Like if you've seen her on Johnny Carson, I mean, like Lucy was in all of our living rooms for many, many years, even after I love Lucy went away. She had a bunch of shows after that. Right. Like here's Lucy was one as well. Um, so very well known for people of my age, I guess, and and for perhaps older uh, as a, as a star, um, and but when she's Lucy on the show, like Lucy Ricardo on the show, her her voice changes and her portrayal. She becomes very cartoony, and Nicole Kidman like just switches it on and off mm-hmm. as needed, and it's and it's a really really good good story, and uh, you know a lot of lot of interesting story background about Lucy. And I heard I heard the other day that you know we. Lucy, we're a fan of Lucy here on the show because she's the reason why Star Trek exists because Desi Lu uh, produced um, produced this as well. And now, you may also not know this, Jonathan, but you know if you're a fan of Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible, you have Lucy Ball to think about that. Thanks for that because she <laughs> Desi Lu also brought out um, paid for Mission Impossible. But she um, also was. I found this out last week. She's also partially responsible indirectly for the twilight zone because she gave Rod oh, yeah. Serling his first job and he it was off the strength of that first job that he got twilight, twilight zone. zone. Yeah. So she, she really, I mean, you know, also, a, you know, a spokesperson for women. I mean, she actually got, she physically got pregnant and they were going to have her holding bags of laundry and standing behind furniture for like, you know, for an entire season. And she says, no, we're not going to do that. Ricky, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Desi Arnaz was behind this too. No, she, she's going to have a baby on TV, like not birth the baby. In fact, yeah. It turns out that the the birth of little Ricky was, which ironically wasn't little Ricky. It was it was Lucy Arnaz. Yeah. But the the birth of little Ricky was one of the most popular watched shows on te- television. I mean, if you think about it, like sixty million people watched I Love Lucy. That's, that's a lot of but, people. I mean, again, this is a monoculture, right? This is when there was, you know, only three channels. Yeah, but and... there weren't that many people around to watch TV, you know, like, like, not like, yeah, back to like everybody who had a television set. That's what they watched, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah. Yeah. But interesting because they, t- they do talk about her prior career as well. So it, yeah, definitely. If you're, if you're into it, it's a really good, really well done biopic. They kind of bounce around a lot, but it's, it's done very well. So one of the questions I heard raised about it, and, and I think you'd be a good perspective. Actually, actually, both of you here as a great perspective. So it, uh, I'll start with you, Tim. Yeah. So this movie is about something you are familiar with, right? You knew I Love Lucy. You watched yeah. it as a young person. Yeah. And so you knew who she was. Yeah. I am just that much younger than you where she was not nearly in the public spotlight as much. Mm-hmm. There was still like I Love Lucy in reruns, but it was something that was like old and black and white and we didn't really care too much about it. But that is mm-hmm. not to say that I didn't know who she was. She was still famous. Xavier being, you know, 30 years younger than me. What did, what did you know prior to this conversation about Lucille Ball? Um, I'd heard of I Love Lucy. That's about it. Like, I'd, I'd heard the, like, I Love Lucy was like, yeah, that's the thing I've heard. That's about it. 
Yeah. Like no, so, no idea who she was, no idea anything about she her. She had a pet dinosaur and she, you know, wrote on a stone tablet and yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, like, <laughs> honestly, if you'd like, yeah, he may no, not like, think he may not know you're joking. So <laughs> no, I but seriously, that, like, again, I don't know. Like, I have no context, right? This is like far beyond my time. And it's yeah. not something that's really exists in like the modern, like, it's like, like friends, right? Friends was before my time, but it's just something that people my generation care about. This is sort of before, before that, you know, like yeah, for me, like, for me like, it's, in terms of perspective, like the fifties rock and roll music, like, you know, the Bill Haley and the comments and all that kind of stuff. I like when I was your, your age, I mean, that to me was like foreign. I didn't understand why people like that stuff now i'll listen to it all day long you know twice on sunday well again that's not to say that i wouldn't like it or that i'm not interested it's no just, no like, I, i'm just saying yeah i, I get i get stuff. i get that like like it's old people stuff right no i and i get that because i mean like my parents like my parents friends would have played rock and roll when they were kids you know like kind of thing right yeah um you know so that's that's the one thing i did question about this as I saw that they were making it, and there was a little discussion about it being made because uh, I guess Nicole Kidman got the job because Kate Blanchett backed out. And so when I heard they were doing this, I thought, well, that's interesting, but who the heck is this for? And I remember the same thing. So when I was a journalist, uh, one of the films that I covered when I was out in Los Angeles was um, The Bucket List. You recall The Bucket List? It's a Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman. I, yes, a, yes. I watched it. It was quite good. I very much enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that one yet either. So. It's good. It's, 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 a, good. Really, it's actually a pretty good movie. Uh, two, two really fine actors, and it's, it's not bad, but... I remember having a conversation sitting around a table with a bunch of other journalists, all who wrote about movies full time. And they were like, this is a good movie. Who the hell is this for? Because <laughs> it starred two guys in their 70s. Mm. It was about that time when you're thinking about the end of your life. And people don't want to go to the movies to hear about that kind of stuff. And also, you know, it skews much older. And when I was thinking about being the Ricardos, I kept thinking... There's a real cutoff line on this movie where even if you have Javier Bardem, who's a fantastic actor, even if you have Nicole Kidman, who's a good actor, even if you have a really well-told story, how do you hook people into this when the source material that it's based upon requires you to have lived at a certain point? So I wondered, like, I'd be really curious to see the numbers behind it. It's on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, I mean... So let me let me see if I can answer that question because because yeah obviously for me there's a hook I don't think like like I don't think your mother Carol will watch it right because but do you have to be sixty plus to care about this movie no so so the, what's interesting about it is is that from my perspective what's interesting about it is is it it takes a, it covers a lot of what television was like back in the day in terms I don't mean like what it was like to watch but the behind the scenes stuff like the fact that you know Philip Morris who paid the money you know they were they were selling cigarettes like yeah. Lucy smoked on the show for a yep. reason right even you know, while and, and, making pregnant I mean and, and you know like even the, even in the boardroom meetings they would get upset with her because you know could she at least not smoke some of our she's smoking Dunhill which is not made by Philip Philip Morris you know like you know so and she's a, a very like this is a very strong powerful businesswoman and i think she like as an example i mean it's like birdman of alcatraz who cares how if somebody escaped from alcatraz like why would you watch that movie right uh it's not the rock which is again a real stretch to watch for anybody of any generation again thank Michael you <laughs> but i mean the uh one slayer 
So the so the uh, explosion, 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 explosion. The it's 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 a good it's it okay. It talks about the politics at the time. I didn't talk about communism, but it's in there. The whole blacklisting. Mm. Um, it talks about how you know um, Ethel Mertz uh, or the Vivian Vance who played Ethel Mertz was a heavier set woman. There's a point mm-hmm. there where you know she's concerned about her looks and her weight, and Lucy just you know encourages her to keep the weight because more American housewives look like Ethel than they do like Lucy, Lucy. you know? In fact, so it's interesting because, you know, Here's Lucy was a show that was on afterwards. And I remember watching, that was in reruns. I mean, obviously I love Lucy's before he was even in the country, like in terms of when it was on. And, you know, it was like early 60s. I think 66 was the last year that they produced it. And there was another show after that, which I never watched. But so in the set, in the, in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a show with, with Lucille, Lucille Ball and her two kids, Desi Arnaz Jr. and Lucy Arnaz. Right. And so I, I thought, well, you know, I haven't seen an I Love Lucy and for I don't know how long. I don't know what channel it's on, if it's in syndication anymore either. So I went back and I went on to Amazon and I just searched and I found that Here's Lucy was on. Well, I, here's a show I didn't really like watching. It was kind of you watched it because it was on kind of thing. Um, so I was sat down and watched the first two episodes. And it's funny because, you know, the second episode of I, I, Here's, they go on, they go on a uh, um, vacation and they end up going, they, she finds a really cheap, almost like an Airbnb. She finds a cheap place to stay. Well, it's cheap because it's owned by Jack Benny, mm. right? Now, if you don't know who Jack Benny, Jack Benny was a, notoriously known as the as a cheapskate, right? So everything was like a 10 cents or like or you wanted a donut. Oh, that's 50 cents. And everything he did anything for a buck in this show. And it's, and it's hilarious because at the very end of it, they come back to the, to the house and he's got a whole barbecue buffet set up. And it's because, not because... He wants to feed them food. He wants them to serve a bus that's a tour bus that's just pulled up to the house. Mm. And there's all these tourists that come in, and and at the very end of it, they say, you know, um, the do you mind if the bus driver would like to grab something to eat? Do you mind if he comes and grabs something to eat? And they say, sure, like and why not you know jackie and it's gleason? jackie gleason <laughs> <laughs> had to be jackie gleason he comes it doesn't say a word comes in <laughs> makes a hamburger and they all like you know pass him the mustard and just silently dressed as ralph cramden yeah, yeah. You know, puts 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 his burger together and goes and then how sweet it is at the very end and it's like 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 so here are like you know from the from the point of view of like like tv legends jackie benny's one of them yeah Jackie, Jackie Gleason's Gleason. another, and then of course Lucia Ball, right? So it's kind of, yeah. and you know, it was sort of a, it was a goofy show, like a really stupid premise, premise. But you know, um, I think like the the what's interesting about the movie, why you would watch this, is to sort of see how TV was made back in the day. Um, you know, Ricky Ricardo invented the live audience watching the taping. He invented, or not Ricky Ricardo, Desi Arnaz. He invented the way that the, the cameras would have three cameras at one time shooting a live performance, which is how Friends is done, which is how Seinfeld's done. Mm-hmm. How all the sitcoms are done to this day, you know, yep. with the audience up on risers. Yep. And shot on 35 millimeter film so that it would always be the best that it could be and it could go into syndication. All of this stuff was done like it was like one of the first shows on TV. Mm-hmm. Right. And so some of the conventions that they invented in the making of this show are things that still happen today. Right. Only digitally kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you know, 
and again, like a strong businesswoman in a, in a man's world, you know, biracial talking about pregnancy on TV without saying the P word, you know, mm. all that kind of stuff. So it was, is really interesting portrayal of, of how TV was made. So, I mean, well, and the very deliberate choice of names too. So being the Ricardos, right. So it's, you know, being the yeah. Kardashians, it's like, it's obviously it's, there's, there's, they're trying to lure a certain audience. I just, I'll be curious yeah. to see how the, like, whether or not it's a good movie, whether or not it's a good time capsule of that period of time. I just, I wonder if it will get the kind of audience that it, maybe it deserves just yeah. because of the era in which it's set because of, you know, like what's going to lure in that younger audience to care about this stuff. I, 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 wouldn't I always find this whole process I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Nicole Kidman gets nominated for an Academy Award for this. It's cool. Not, her portrayal is that good. Good. Is this something that's worth watching, like, from my perspective? Like, I have no context of I Love Lucy or... Mm-hmm. Well, I completely forgot the person's name. Like, any any of this stuff. Not, like, no idea who this is. Is this still something worth watching? Like, can I watch this and go, okay, this is interesting, this is funny, this is whatever it's supposed to be? Or I think so. Like, I mean, like, I, I, as, as, a, as a fan of Lucille Ball, I mean, I've always been a fan of her work as a comedian and as an actress. Um, I mean, yeah, as well. I mean, like, she was, like, 35, and she was, her, they let her, she was in her most successful movie that, that she'd ever been in. It was a non, not a comedy movie. I mean, she was in movies with the Marx Brothers and that kind of stuff, right? She gets this movie in with um, uh, Fonda, Henry Fonda, does great at the box office, but they let her go, let her contract go because she was 35 hmm. or 39. She was over the hill, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, where, how that, and then she goes into radio and then on radio, she's amazing. And then from, it was from her radio work that they decided to put her on TV, right? So, and then she insisted that if you're going to put me on TV, my, my husband has to be Desi Arnaz, which they're like, well, we, he can't be on TV for obvious reasons. And she says, yes, I know he can't be on for obvious reasons, which is why I want him to be on for obvious reasons. <laughs> like they wouldn't even say we can't have a Cuban non-American person on TV as a, as yeah. a leading man. Yeah. You know, like, like there was a lot God forbid of, you kiss him. Well, I mean, so from that perspective, she broke a lot of ground. I mean, then that, yeah. I think that's the whole point of, of the movie other than the, the being like, it was, it was what was so significant about this TV show in the same sense that the, you know, the original series was significant. Right. I mean, it's yeah. not like it, you know, um, as a portrayal of a woman in society, it's not a very, uh, it's not a very, um, uh, I mean, it could be seen skewed as, you know, like the man is in charge of the house and, you know, it's not a very good representation of 50s life, but it was a good representation of 50s life and, you know, culture and and norms and that kind of stuff, wrong as they were, right, sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I, I gave it four four stars. I mean, what can I say? I would have given it five if it was, if they had a lightsaber in it. (laughs) (laughs) Or if it could make your t-shirt turn into lines. Yeah, exactly. He's not wearing his I Love Lucy shirt. Anyway. <laughs> my, my what? <laughs> Again, like I have no context for any of this. So. Welcome to Lucy Cast, kids. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we could do a TV show. We could we could review Lucy episodes of Lucy, right? I'm sure someone out there is doing it. All right. I've got a couple things for the list. I'll try and get through quickly. Uh, now that I'm on my uh, holiday break, I have finished. Luke Cage season two as I'm trying to work my way through all the Disney, uh, sorry, the Netflix Marvel stuff as not opposed to the Disney Plus Marvel stuff. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was some interesting performances. Uh, very unsatisfying in that it really did seem like a middle chapter of a three chapter story at least. Um, and because they canceled it, 
we don't have that conclusion. I think Mike Coulter is a star, and I'm I really hope as they continue to bring back characters from that uh, a la Kingpin, I hope that we might see Mike Coulter play that character again because he is charming and very likable. Isn't he in the Defenders? He is, yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I hope that I hope that we see him in that role again because he's fantastic. I'm also working my way with great reluctance through season two of Iron Fist. It is better than season one. So if you uh, were fed up with season one and the, and the whinging, I understand. I feel your pain. It's not quite as painful. It did occur to me in watching all of these series, though. Um, Luke Cage, Mike is great. But Simone Mizik playing Missy Knight is fantastic. And in Iron Fist, uh, Finn Jones playing uh, Iron Fist is is okay. But it's, um, it's oh, I can't remember, Jessica Hensridge? Henwick. Henwick? Henwick. Thank you, Xavier. Uh, playing, um, huh. all right, go ahead. Oh, no, I can't remember it either. That's the problem. <laughs> Oh, but again, Wing, I haven't Colleen watched Wing. Colleen yes. Wing. But I haven't Wing, watched Colleen the show Wing. in like two years, so that's that's on you. You watched know, it like two days ago. Night. Yeah. Um, yes, I think she is the strength of that show, just like the character uh, Karen Page in Daredevil. I think is is actually really strong. It strikes me as I'm watching all these ones. Of course, Jessica Jones is the lead character in the Jessica Jones series. The women on these. Netflix series are far more than the damsels in distress and they're far more fleshed out because they do have these longer seasons where they can really give you more of them. And I find myself as much as I would like to see the main characters brought forward into an MCU. I really find it's the, it's those characters. It's those really strong, substantial women that I really, I'm thinking like, I'd like to see more of in the, in the future of, of MCU Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, I know I, I saw an, an interview with uh, Jessica Henwick last week when I started looking at this because I was thinking, oh, yeah, she was really good in this. And she said she was actually offered a role in Shang-Chi as a new character in the MCU as one of the characters from that movie. And she turned it down and she said, I didn't want to take that role. I want Colleen Wing back. I want to be Colleen Wing again. So I'm hoping. I want that too. Yeah. So I, I, I'm working my way through these last of these seasons and I'm really enjoying uh, parts of it. Again, there are certainly some holes you could drive a truck through. It's not as good, I think, in that cohesive way. It's certainly, it's overbloated. Um, Luke Cage season two is 13 episodes. It probably could have been a nice tight six to eight episodes and told a really strong story. It kind of goes off the path and back and forth. He ends up having the same like showdown fight with the same character like four times. It's like, okay, come on. It really felt more like filler, like old-fashioned television with filler episodes than it did substantial at times. But there's a lot of really good things out of this, and I think uh, I'm enjoying it. I would say, you know, uh, I know Tim, you haven't watched all of these either. I think there's certainly some material there to, to sink your teeth into. I, mm-hmm. It's not all gold, but there are really certainly some some very nice pieces of it that, that do feel golden. Uh, also on my list this week, we're going to get on New Year's Day, uh, Return to Hogwarts, the 20th anniversary special that is coming to HBO Max, and I think it's coming to Crave here in Canada. Ooh. It is... The Grape <laughs> <Wow. laughs> <Sucks. laughs> uh. So 
this is reuniting uh, many of the stars of the series who are going to come back and talk about their experiences and what it meant to them and all these different things. Lots of people involved. I did see an article today that apparently um, uh, Joanne Rowling is not going to be participating in any modern sense. Apparently they're going to use some previously recorded clips of her from other things that she's done uh, in the special, but she, she declined to participate. They asked if it was because of the controversy around her uh, transphobic statements this last little while. And they said, no, just didn't fit into her schedule. So that's why she didn't participate. (laughs) I have a feeling that HBO did not extend the longest of branches to her for this because obviously um, she's become a little bit of a um, a pariah in in a lot of people's eyes. Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint have all distanced themselves from her as far as her statements around trans rights. So um, hopefully that won't cloud this too much because I think for a lot of us, um, including all, you know, all three of us, I think, you know, there is a lot of, you know, uh, enjoyment and value and and goodness in the in the Harry Potter movies and hopefully it's a nice celebration of that. So I'm looking forward to seeing that and seeing how they all think about this 20 years later. And someone in there inevitably is going to ask the question: When are you guys going to get back together and do something else? It's like it's like the Beatles, right? You just can't right. you can't break up and not have people keep asking you that. It was and, interesting. I watched uh, just before you finished that. Yeah. Um, they were showing a sort of a. a I don't know, best of Hogwarts um, contest where they had, um, and I think it's the finale probably is already on, but they've taken oh, the, the one on Crave, the, the super the... fans was on space yeah. channel, but super fans yeah. of, of, of uh, Harry Potter have broken themselves into houses. So you got Slytherin, Gryffindor and the other ones. I can't remember the other names. Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. Yeah. yeah. So they have the, they have them playing against each other in trivia, Harry Potter trivia and, you know, famous people coming on and reading parts of the book and uh, all that kind of stuff. And, and just embarrassing these, these, uh, these fans. I mean, uh, I, I don't know how it ended up, but uh, the Gryffindor ended up in last place of all, which is funny. <laughs> Slytherin. You may be brave. Out. That doesn't mean you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> so good memory. <laughs> but uh, it, it really interesting, sort of, to see the, the 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 depth to which. I mean, like it was sort of like you know the kind of Star Trek. Star Wars questions we could ask you that only you and two other people I know could answer, you know, kind of yeah. is that kind of level of detail. And uh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. We so. ha- we have a Harry Potter uh, trivial pursuit game here in the house that no one will play me at anymore either. So Harry Potter as well. Wow. Yeah. 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 This it was hosted by Helen, Dame Helen, Helen Mirren. So it was kind of interesting, uh, but it was done sort of very done up, very, very Harry Potter ish. So it was a good tie into this lead up to this, uh, this anniversary thing. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it is, it is on Crave here. I know I've seen the, uh, seen it pop up on my feed because it knows me. Uh, the last oh, thing well, I before, before just... we go too deep out, uh, why does Crave suck savior? <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. So Fox. <laughs> So, ladies, gentlemen, get ready. So, here is a uh, short, not extensive, definitely not complete list of the problems with Crave. Number one, the interface. It's poorly laid out. The search function is terrible. It's hard to find what you're looking for. It's hard to find what you were watching before. Your watch list is unclear. Number two, again, the profile. Switching between profiles is very vague, very difficult. Sometimes you'll click on a profile, it'll just choose a different profile, and then you'll end up being someone else's profile, and that's really annoying. Number three, this is a really big one. It's only 1080p, not 4K, not HDR, <laughs> not nothing. And it doesn't even look, it's not even like high quality 1080p. It's worse than Blu-ray quality. It just does not look good. Number 
however many, I don't care. Four. Next problem, four. No surround sound. Not even Dolby Digital. Not even the most basic surround sound. Stereo only. Why? Star Trek Discovery. Brave. How's it? Great. Not surround sound. So Why? do you watch... It's do you not watch- hard. Do you watch it on your iOS devices or do you watch it like you're watching it on your Apple TV? Like how is it? We're watching it on the smart TV's built-in app. Oh, built. Oh, so. But again, like Netflix. Is that a Samsung thing or like, how do you know it's, how do you know it's not the Android app or whatever? That's the problem. Well, because all the other uh, app, like smart TV apps support surround sound. No, I I know. I get that. I mean, because I, I watch it off my phone, right? So I can't tell you why, but. I don't know. Anyways, it's annoying and it's ridiculous. Um, Mm. Also, oh, it's just that. I like, hadn't hadn't really noticed that, but now that you pointed it out, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really disappointed next time I watch yeah. something on Crave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should. Oh, and number five, this is also a really big one, is that because we get Crave in Canada, we don't get HBO Max, which means we're losing out. So all this stuff that would be on HBO that we have to watch it on Crave, which eh, and all this stuff that we would have been gotten on HBO Max, like you know, again, Suicide Squad is just now coming out. Matrix, the Matrix, exactly, like Dune. Like all yep. this stuff that's like HBO Max in America, you get it. It's just well, Matrix is on um, Matrix yeah, Resurrections. Okay. The new one is yeah. is available. Jaime can watch that right now on HBO. Oh Max. yeah, don't talk to me about Jaime. Jaime who? Um, <laughs> yeah. no, wow, I, mean, I had, I'm worried if I ever anything ever happens to me, you're going to be like, well, he's dead to me. Let's find a new guest well, host. Yeah, exactly. I'll get a new stepson. Um, the <laughs> uh, the uh, jobs open, Dave, if you want it. <laughs> But uh, um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, man. Uh, Crave, bad. HBO Max, movies, Matrix? Yeah, HBO Max, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I've talked about this before, and it's a little bit, little unknown thing, is that that the way that Canadian networks buy television shows, is not, it's not a foregone conclusion that an American network will have the same show because the buyers are different for each each uh, locality, Region, right? Yeah, so yeah. when CBC and, you know, Space Channel and CTV and and our Canadian Netflix go to LA to buy shows where they get pitched to them. They have a budget and they buy a certain number of shows. So I mean, it's not, it's not like it's not. You can't really fault the fact that well, except for the fact that yeah, there are things available on HBO Max that aren't available to anywhere in the world. But you know, also look That's at look I'm at the saying. size. Look at the size of the audience. I mean, you know. By the way, I don't. There's another. There's a new um, Chinese sci-fi that's just come out too. Um, I don't know the name of it, but I saw a trailer on Netflix. I saw some pretty amazing Chinese. Because uh, um, I mean, I was going to say because you know the the U.S. is ten times larger than Canada, so therefore they're going to get a lot of attention. China is ten times larger than the U.S. By right? population, just to be clear, not not geographical. Well, but in, land but in area. terms of available eyeballs, right? I mean, like yes. like Douglas Adams talked about this in the '60s. The reason why TV shows get made is because they can put how many people in front of a soapbox at. Yep. Yep. And that's why you're seeing so much in, uh, we just rewatched Skyfall. Uh, Xavier hadn't seen Skyfall, the, the James Bond, the third Daniel Craig movie. And we were watching it the other day and I was thinking, the Harvey, Oh, Javier Bardem, bad guy. Yes. Ones? Okay. yes. And we were watching it and I was like, huh, there's two separate scenes in, in China. And that's, a hundred percent deliberate that they're there, you know, like they are, they are trying to be oh, right. yeah. Yeah. getting as many people who are like, Oh, I, I live in Shanghai. I live in Macau. I, I want, I'm going to watch this, you know, like they definitely are uh, pandering, if not strategically placing these things. Well, and, also uh, yeah. public announcement or whatever you want to call it. soapboxy boxy thing, whatever the, 
visual quality of this, we watched Skyfall, we watched it on Apple TV, we have you know, a copy on iTunes, and the quality was like not not great. I don't think it was 4K. It definitely wasn't HDR. I think it was said it was like 4K. A, it wasn't 4K. It was not 4K. It was just like the Blu-ray equivalent or whatever. It was surround sound, but it was not 4K. And again, there was a couple times like they were you know dark. Daniel Craig was in a boat, and his face couldn't really see the forehead or the eyebrows. Didn't really look very good. Like yeah. so again, some things look quite good. Some things. Yeah, I don't know. Again, 4K Blu-rays, the kind of, you know, you get what you get. Streaming can be good because you obviously don't have to have physical media, but there can be quality issues. So so, so Xavier is 18, and for his Christmas present this year, you got how many uh, 4K Blu-ray actual physical media discs? I think four. Four. But you get a bunch too. So oh, I, I, got a, I got a couple as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's somewhat telling, I think, that there is still... Now, obviously, you are somebody who's very invested in high-quality audio, high-quality video. It's something you really enjoy. And But I wonder... Why I don't like Crave? Well, it's it's one of those things that I really do wonder. We, we always talk about how the physical media will, will dissipate over time. More people will be invested in, you know, having access to streaming services or they'll have access to you know uh, on-demand stuff or they'll have all these different choices i still think there's gonna be a market for a while in physical media because they're really there's still some gaps there's definitely still some yeah. gaps well again it's the same thing with like you know again like no offense but like airpod like the the home pods and the airpods and all that stuff it's like people take convenience over quality they'd rather like watch something on netflix or you know stream it on apple tv than you know go out and and have a physical Blu-ray and put it in their Blu-ray player and actually watch it because they don't have to space for the Blu-ray player. They don't want to have space to, you know, have shelving for all their Blu-rays. You know, same thing with like audio, right? They don't want to have to go out and buy like a full surround system stuff with the receiver and all, you know, the speakers and all the subwoofers and, and everything and, you know, get around all the wires and everything because even though it sounds a lot better, it's a lot easier to just take this little thing, you plop it down in front of your TV and move magic, you know, high fidelity, whatever. It's all wireless. It's just, just plugging in and everything's easy, right? You know, and again, like it's, and I don't blame people for that. It's just, it's unfortunate because it is affecting those of us who do care about audio quality, video quality, whatever, just because, you know, it's fine if there's multiple options. It's just when the only option isn't high quality, that's when I get frustrated. And that's probably my problem with Crave, right? The problem is your TVs are too big. That's why you, if you had smaller (laughs) TVs, you would have this problem. Their TVs are too small, actually. <laughs> and, and that has nothing to do with audio quality. So that's just video quality. No, no, but you don't like my amplifier either. So that's that's yeah, another one. That's I on me. Just, your amplifier is perfectly fine. It's yeah. it's outdated. I'm loving my two HomePod Maxis, whatever they call them. Yeah. They, it's You don't even have surround sound. You're not even like, it's not even like you have like Atmos. You don't even have surround sound. It's two of them. You have two. <laughs> You know what that is? Stereo. You know what, Xavier? You know I, used to, I, used to have, I used to have surround sound, but none of you guys ever used it, so I got rid of it. It's it's in a closet here. It's in fact, I think I put house. it on the front Why door. do I care? <laughs> like, that's not that's not my problem. Do whatever you yeah, like. I, I'm just I, saying. You yeah, begs the question, like, what do you care what I watch on my TV? I want you to have the best experience possible. <laughs> okay, well, then... I care truly and deeply about your home theater experience. You should invest in my home theater like your, like my my other two sons did. They bought me a nice receiver that only worked sometimes and ended up at the cottage. It was so good. Bad. That's 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> it had a huge remote. Like the remote was like giant. It was like ridiculous. Big remotes are good though. You don't want to like, like that's the other problem. Everything now it's got like, it's got like five buttons and that's it. It's like up, down, left, right, enter, back, forward. And I'm like, oh, I mean, don't get me started on why do buttons. I have to have five different remotes? I mean, and, and every time I, every time <laughs> I sneeze on my Apple remote, it fires up my Apple TV and takes me out of whatever TV show I was watching on cable. Oh, and the swipey, you got to swipe through everything. Oh. And like, no, no, no. Why I mean, I, know I have the new, the new ones with the, with the, uh, Ooh, that's so stuff, much yeah. better. Yeah. Well, Carol, now, you know, it's funny because Carol's like, I would watch Apple TV if you got me the new remote. Got it the new remote. Guess what? Yeah. Yeah. It, pull the dust off it. <laughs> All right. I got one it's more not, thing. It's not red. That's the problem. If it was red and covered yeah, so, in like fabric. So yeah, I want to hear about this one more thing because I saw this link and I clicked on the link to go to see if I could buy this thing and it doesn't exist. It, it has not been released yet. Oh, okay. But... Uh, while we, we have been enjoying a golden age of uh, licensed products in the Lego world, we have Lego Star Wars, we have Lego Harry Potter, we have Lego Mario Brothers, we've got all kinds of stuff that is awesome. I have a Lego uh, Death Star here next to me. I have, uh, you know, Lego Millennium Falcon and all kinds of good stuff. Lots of good stuff on Tim's shelf there as well. Xavier's got his own. We all love it's Lego. Over there. One of the things that uh, I think has been the most fun is the, these great ability where they are now letting a lot of people do their own thing and then they're making them come to life. And as part of one of these, somebody created a Sonic the Hedgehog Lego set that looks like a replica of the first level of, of Sonic for the Sega Genesis. And it was... Uh, voted by the fans and they are going to put it into production. So they are making a Sonic the Hedgehog Lego set. We've got the link in here to the article from Gizmodo. You can have a look at it. It looks fantastic. Uh, it comes, you know, he's got all his little, his uh, chaos emeralds. He's got all his, you know, characters. He's, there's a great uh, rendition of Dr. Robotnik. It's fantastic. And I'm so excited that this thing exists. And uh, yeah, for those of us who are Genesis all the way, Genesis for life, uh, I think this is long overdue and I'm really glad they're making this. So, so are they going to come out with a Masterism version of it? I suspect entirely not. <laughs> I meant to tell you, I did a while back, I did acquire the other two Sega Master System Sonic games from England. Oh, really? I had them wow. shipped over. There's Are they the Sonic... same? Like... No, they're, they're completely unique games. They were the ones that were done for the Game Gear and for the Master System internationally. So they're completely unique games. One's called Sonic 2 and one's called Sonic Chaos. And you can, uh, you can only play them on on either a Game Gear or on uh, on the Master System. And yeah, you could never get them here in North America, but uh, thanks to the nice folks in the uh, British Post, I've managed to acquire a couple of those. Mm -hmm. Well, when I moved to Vancouver, I only took one game with me and I, had a, I bought myself a, 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 a Nomad. Nomad. Nomad, yeah. I played Sonic on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know where what happened to that. Sonic I there. have it here on a shelf. It's oh, lovely. You, you have it? Okay. Is that yours? I thought that was... Nope, that was uh, that was Tim's. I bought it. Oh, I thought that was Andrew's or something. I don't know. I mm -hmm. said it was. Oh. Yep. Nope. Tim bought that and uh, passed it along a while back. I did, yeah, All right. a while ago. Oh yeah, remind. I know. I know we live in the same house that I can come talk to you afterwards. But like, just remind <laughs> me. They because you mentioned Game Gear, right? We still there's still the Game Gears that we need to get fixed. We can look into the stuff we can look into there. If you want to be able to actually play your game, your game. And on that note, folks, I think we're done for the day. You, well, you don't have to actually put this in if you don't want to. <laughs> I don't know. This is more just general banter. So I think that's it for another week. So, Jonathan, if people wanted to get in touch with you, where would they find you? 
You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at JPK News. And Xavier, if people want to talk to you about Crave and how wonderful it is. <laughs> or Surround Sound or anything you like, home theater, hit me up. Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's at Xman underscore 1664. All right. And my name is Tim Mitra. I am T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, as you can see on the over there. Other side. There you go. Over there. Yeah. You can see over there that uh, I am that on Twitter, and that's where you'll find me. By the way... Um, <laughs> By the way, uh, if you're watching this on the YouTubes and there's a, there's a button sort of thing. It's, right. down, it's down there. Down there. Down there. there. Jonathan, can you point to the button? Yeah. Yeah. There. If you there. click on that, subscribe. And like hit the notification this. bell so you get notified whenever there's a new podcast from the More Than Just Podcast Productions crew. Yeah, or More Than Just Code, More Than Just yeah, this thing. I'm thinking about a few other sort of interesting ideas for, for online stuff. Um, maybe some karaoke kind of stuff but great crave chat with xavier is coming soon more yeah, than just home theater yeah. and vacuums are us and more, more than just <laughs> yeah. vacuums. More, than, more than just suck more than just robots more than just matrix t-shirts yeah, exactly. <laughs> more than just green screens green screens more than know? just green screen yeah all right so until next time we'll see you in the future bye oh by the way i don't know if you on smart list they say bye bye <laughs> bye, bye. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. This is John Luke Picard. Shut up, Wesley. Sorry, say again. Just the tag. Gotcha. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Maybe it's WebEx. You have, to, you have to you have to load the images, right? How do you do that? This one, if you okay, so if you go Studio to effects, back, background and filters, and then yeah. virtual backgrounds, and then a little plus in the top right corner. Oh, I can change my eyebrows. Look at that. None blur, and then there's a plus. You can, and then if you click uh, choose green screen, then you can color key to anything in your background. Oh, you know, I should I should, do, I should do this when I do interviews. Check out this. I can change my beard and my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I have oh, trouble getting. Wow. I'm trouble getting hired. Well, I guess I'm mine. Hold on. Just put that in for any job interviews in the future, Tim. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. This is ooh, like, uh, who does this look like? I look oh, like Wolfman Jack. Hey, it's beer. Wolfman Jack. Yeah, Wolfman. You, you look like uh, evil Tim from the Mirror Universe. How do, how do, how do I uh, how do I do the image thing? thing the, 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 I'll go virtual backgrounds. Yeah. Oh. Click that. And then if you click on the little, like, Pick the color thing. You can pick your whatever color. You can chroma key to whatever. But I don't have a green screen. But I just. Oh, there we go. The, yeah. <laughs> now, now I look like the uh, the what's it called the master. That's right. That's right. The master. Can you do? Can I do more hair? Oh, there's more stuff. Lip color. Need my lip color. That's really trippy. Oh my huh? god. <laughs> it's inside of me. <laughs>
Isn't that the, where, where, where Doc, uh, Agent Smith makes the guy, turns the guy into the other Agent Smith? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got I have a... This is actually really cool. I kind of like this. <laughs> I'm totally going to get sued for this, but whatever. It's worth no, it. No, no, no. You're paying homage to the beloved Matrix franchise, yeah. which we support. And therefore, it, they wouldn't sue us. Yeah. I know why they don't have, like, Vulcan eyebrows. This is really cool. <laughs> such a dork <laughs> uh, yeah but like oh it's apply to future make sure you don't check apply to future meetings oh sh- <laughs> how do i make this stop oh, oh goody that's why i'm not messing with mine i actually have a zoom meeting did, tomorrow morning i can't how did you uh, do uh your mustache and beard thing because it's, I a, it's an option if you click on uh, like a little studio effects yeah my so it says eyebrows it's my just says none there's no options broadcast art that's what it is I find the whole virtual background thing a little bit spotty. I, I have so many of my colleagues that use it, and it uh, works way better if you use an actual green screen. If you have yeah. like a real green screen, it works perfectly. Yeah, you know, most people screen. are trying to do it in their living room, so it's like catching parts of their hair and parts of their headphones, and yeah. it just always looks yeah. very weird. Yeah. Yeah. No. But in the inevitable conversation with people when they see me, they're like, oh, "Is that a virtual background?" I'm like, "No, that's just my my room." And they're like, "Oh, that's so cool." I'm like, "Is that a virtual background?" They're like, "Yeah, my room is disgusting. I would never show people that." I'm like, "Oh, okay. yeah." Well, although everybody seems to think that that shelf beside me there is filled with VHS tapes. I'm like, "Hey, really? Oh Lord, what? <laughs> what? I am so self indulgent, aren't I?" <laughs> just gonna say, this is probably not the best ego thing we've ever given to this uh, young man. Mm. It looks cool though, actually. Like having like again, I think if you wore like because uh, suppose my chair is green. If my chair wasn't green, I'd be perfect. It's green chair matches my green shirt, so it all sort of blends. Boro Foster's backup chair for a, for an episode. That's red. Yeah. Well, also again, the problem too is the lighting. Like it's, I'm lit. Like if I actually put myself up here, I'm lit very well on one side and not very well on the other side. So you have to get a ring light. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. I so honestly, I was yeah, just thinking it's time for my... conspiracy corner. I wonder Ooh. if uh, maybe uh, Xavier mailed some COVID to Jaime for uh, Christmas. Maybe that must have been. It must have been his plan. <laughs> Why? Why would I harm somebody? So you, so I he... I swore an oath when I started. Uh, <laughs> no, I never did that. But I, I have no no. Medical do no harm. Answer. Is that a spotcast yeah. oath? Yes. Yes. Do mm. no harm. Yeah. What's when you join the podcast crew, you have to sign a waiver that says I will not cause harm to other members of the more than just podcast committee. Even Mark. Mark R at Yeah. Mark R at snapsoft.com. Ha 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 pun. Ha ha pun. Snap. Uh-huh. Oh, snap. See what he did? Oh, oh snap. snap. Yeah. Yeah. Who, me? Your micro- yeah, what is that? That's a sure SMB, SM7B. Oh, yes, of course it is. Okay. The podcast microphone that everybody seems to use. Really? Oh, it's oh, like... I think you know, the lights are all turning off around here, which means it's time to go. Just the plugs are being pulled. Your, your smart plugs. Oh yeah, we we I, I apparently my dad did not realize that uh, you had smart plugs in your house. He laughed hysterically when I told him that I had access to your smart plugs, so I could turn your lights off or whatever. He thought that was hilarious. I said to him, "So let me get this straight: you have the ability to turn on and off the lights and on different things at Grandma Grandpa's house at any given time. How have we not been using this all <laughs> time? How have we not just spent all of our time being like?" Sitting like, well, it's like, it's like I, was telling, I was telling people I can lock the front door of our house like anytime I want if I if I happen to see like and I was thinking you know it would ju- just be my luck that Carol would go out to the garbage when I locked the door, <laughs> lock the door. <laughs> and I'm not at home I'm like, yeah well she has her watch on though she should be able to unlock it from there though 
back that sentence up again and say that all whole thing again and think of think of where the logic flaw in there is yeah <laughs> but don't you have the little code thing you can use yeah well yeah that's true that's true I, yeah I, so I, if you don't have the phone you could still unlock it yeah that's true you can though we're like an airbnb we have we have airbnb well, I think when, when, when uh, we were at the home show a couple of years ago, they had one like several years ago. They had one with a thumbprint where you use your thumbprint. Yeah, Yale has a lock like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea because that way you don't have to put your phone. In. You just go poop and it's done. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking that. today about actually getting one for the back door because we were trying to figure out how to put something on the back door. We don't have a deadbolt on there, right? So. Mm. Oh really? It's just a just the one lock in the door handle. Or? Yeah. 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 Anyway, kids. Time to say goodbye. Bye. Jonathan was frozen there for Turtles. No, I was just deeply invested in what I was doing. We'll see you in the future. Okay, bye. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.